Dr. April Jones, you know it. I know it. Brian knows it. We can't do it without you, but I wouldn't want to do it without her, Brian. She has been a huge part of the Crucial Conversation from day one. And you know what she's going to do for you guys this episode? We're giving you an extra 10% off. So it's not just 10% no more. It's 20% off. You put in promo code CRUCIAL2020 and get 20% off anything in her store. They don't just have books, but they also have apparel. They have journals. They have it all, Brian. Go to thedrifteddrum.com backslash the crucial conversation and get 20% off your entire order by putting in promo code CRUCIAL2020. Pastors, deacon, board members, and you know what? Business owners. People are driving by your business or church all hours of the day and night, and you need a sign that's going to grab their attention. And there's nothing better than an efficient LED sign that's going to capture a potential client or customer or congregation member's attention, like a sign from Anderson LED Signs. Anderson LED Signs is based in Jonesboro, Arkansas, but they travel all over, Tony. All over. They've done business for your father in Illinois. We know of businesses in Jonesboro they've done. But again, like I said, it's not just Arkansas. It's not just Illinois. Wherever you are just about, they can put a sign in. So there's no harm in calling and trying to find out whether or not they can come to you and what kind of deal they can make with you. Call today at 1-870-275-1111. We've known Greg Anderson for a while. We know, for a matter of fact, that this new presenting sponsor is going to take care of you. He was super excited to get on board for Season 2, and what a better way to kick off this brand-new one-year anniversary episode than with new sponsors. Guys, check out Anderson LED Signs at 870-275-1111. Another new sponsor we have this month is the author, Sheila Texter, with a brand-new book that just came out, Life After the Mistake. Brian, there is a myth out there that once you're a Christian, everything's perfect. Well, this book is here to tell you that's not true. If you've fallen just short of being perfect as a Christian, there's others out there just like you. And she knows from experience, not just because she's lived it, but because she's experienced it in ministry. They pastor a church in Blyville, Arkansas. These are some credible people, and specifically this author is going to minister to you in this brand new, hot off the presses book that you can, it is available right now. Right now. Just now came out. And you can find it on Amazon.com. Search for Life After the Mistake. Or you can connect with her on Facebook, Brian, and she said that she would give you a signed copy of the book for the same price. Guys, go check out Life After the Mistake by Sheila Texter. The temperatures are getting hotter outside, and as soon as the heat starts going away, it's going to start getting cold outside. No, you don't say. One thing you're going to have to get taken care of is you're going to have to have a house with a regulated temperature throughout all those seasons. Whenever it's hot, you want the inside to be cool. Whenever it's cool, you want the inside to be warm. And so the person to get in touch with is Nat Anderson. You can call Nat Anderson today at 1-870-926-8700. And I can personally attest, Nat Anderson has not only put in a high-efficiency heater in my home, but has put in a brand-new air unit in my home, and our house is absolutely comfortable. Call him today, Anderson Heat and Air, 870-926-8700. You can also find him on Facebook at Anderson Heat and Air of NEA. And hopefully you'll find him pulling up to your driveway the next time you have a problem fixing and everything because Nat Anderson is a professional.
Hey guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast. Setting here on July the 10th, one year, Tony, since we first bought one silver mic, set it up in the middle of a table. Yes. And me, you, and brother Bobby Hartkin sat around that table, and we just had no idea what we were doing. We still don't really. Still don't know what we're doing. (laughs) And just fired up some mics and started having crucial conversations. Yes, we have. And and the the thing is about the crucial conversation as we're going to talk about in in today's episode. We're going to talk to a few people that we've talked to along the way, but we would be remiss if we didn't take the time to at least speak with one person that made a lot of this possible. I am super excited today. Super excited to welcome on finally to our podcast, Dr. April Jones with the Drifted Drum Company. April Jones, this could not be done without you. You are a huge supporter uh, financially. Uh, you you speak words of wisdom to Brian and I. Um, you really are a good friend to us, and we appreciate all you've done for us. Thank you so much for taking the time to kick off our one-year anniversary episode. Dr. Jones, how are you? Yay, I'm good. Thank you for having me. This is such an exciting time. Brian and Tony and and all your listeners. Let's go ahead and tell all of our listeners why you do the Drifted Drum Company. Why in the world um, you have such a crazy name for your company. Why you have a doctor in front of your name. Let's hear your story. Absolutely. I'm super excited to share about the journey of the Drifted Drum Company. So the most question, the most common question that I get asked is, what is the Drifted Drum? What does that mean? <laughs> and to me, it is the business of encouragement. Drifted coming from the state of having been moved slowly as a result of outside force with no control over direction. That's what... That's what the, uh, the dictionary says, to wash ashore. And drum as a vessel, of a barrel or container that can be filled and emptied and refilled again. And that really is what we are here at the Drifted Drum Company. You know, we are not where we expected to be when we started this journey, but we definitely have uh, wound up somewhere And we are taking joy in the moment of where we are and looking forward to where it's taking us and absolutely have been emptied out and filled up back again over and over. And uh, we just relish in that for sure. So tell me about the emptying process. Uh, Brian and I are lucky enough to know you on a, a deeper level than our listeners. Tell us about that empty process, kind of that low point that made you realize, hey, I've got a story. I've got to tell it. I'm going to write a book. Tell us about that whole journey. Yes. So it started a very long time ago. It started before I got that doctor in front of my name. 
I was a young lady that grew up in rural West Tennessee and at uh, 19 was very, very newly married about two months in and um, a college student and working and found out I was pregnant. (laughs) And I had big plans and big goals. Um, And despite, you know, having a little bundle of joy come into our lives um, so unexpectedly, I still pursued a doctorate degree in pharmacy. And it was my second year of pharmacy school when my little man was diagnosed with cancer. And so that was really the that was really a, a major turning point, a really huge moment of overwhelming adversity that I at twenty two was not prepared for. And so over the years, as a, a healthcare professional, as uh, a mentor to others who are have struggled with um, cancer, childhood cancer, other types of adversity. Um, as a leader in healthcare, um, and as a uh, as a mom to a kid who has a disability and is also striving to be a professional athlete, I've learned a lot along the way. And what I realized was is that it wasn't just this version of me, this final version of me. It was really the mess along the way that also you know, gives me credibility and it's everything that I've learned through all the hard times and all the times that, you know, God has redeemed me and has molded me along the way and I want to help others through their battles. And so uh, out of that came my book, No Mess, No Message. And to be honest, guys, you know, that's why I relate so much to your show because you share so much that, you know, We all have a mess, and without admitting that and without sharing how we've gotten through our mess, there really is no message. So just because you have a doctor in front of your name doesn't mean that you don't have mess in your life. Or just because you have a reverend in front of your name doesn't mean you don't have a mess. Or just if you have no titles. We all are in this together. We all struggle, and it's okay to talk about it. That's that's the whole point of Brian and I's podcast is there's a there's a uh, a front out there that says I cannot not be okay I have to be all right for those around me that's false that's fake that's not true whenever you come to a place where you realize that's not who I have to be I'm tired of dealing with that that's when change comes so Dr. April Jones you have done so much for us. We thank you so much. Uh, we don't want to give away too much about your book because we want people to buy it. How can they do that? So the best place that you can uh, to, uh, get a special copy of my book so is uh, on the website, The Drifted Drum Company. Um, so you would just go to www.thedrifteddrum.com. And you're going to be able to actually purchase a author-signed copy there. It's the only place you can get one. And um, also, as a very special treat, I have a digital download of a companion journal. It's a chapter-by-chapter self 
deep dive into your own mess and what you have going on and um, extra biblical content to support how you can really analyze your situation and um, really find your grounding in hope and faith. Um, And I'm very excited because for all of your loyal listeners out there, I have a special discount, guys. In celebration of your one year, all they have to do is type in Crucial 2020, and they are going to get 20% off their entire purchase. So if there's any, yes, 20%. And if there's, so if they want the book, that's awesome. You're going to find apparel on there. There's going to be some encouraging gifts on there as well. So if you want to spread the love, if you need to make yourself feel better, or you just want to cheer up your friends, there um, are lots of ways to do that on the Drifted Drum Company site. Thank you very much for giving those uh, our listeners that promo and, and being able to get this promotion out. And I encourage everyone to please get a copy of this book. Um, I was given a signed copy in person, and it actually, uh, going with our one year, one of the best moments that I've experienced in doing the podcast is whenever we first got associated with, with Dr. April. And uh, Tony called me at one time and said, you're not going to believe this, but we were actually were asked to speak at an event she was going to be hosting in Alamo, Tennessee. And uh, and so I was like, Tony, you got to be joking. <laughs> we're just a couple of bums. <laughs> she, there's no way they want us to come and speak. And, and as time got closer, the more Tony started talking about it, and the more I was like, Tony might actually be telling the truth on this one whoa 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 don't act like you're surprised there i was a little bit actually it was hard for me to believe and then we get there and when we were on the truck i'm like this is this is real and it was a great event that you hosted um uh, what was what was the event uh tell our listeners about what you had going on and and uh and speak prophecy because we know that we're gonna go to their city and perform one too Yes, absolutely. It was an incredible event, and you guys were such a huge part of that. I'm so thankful. I know that God crossed our paths on purpose, and um, I really believe in the future of the No Pity Party. So the No Pity Party um, came about as uh, part of my mission for encouraging others and really thinking about beyond the book, you know, we, uh, we might need more. And what do we need when we have adversity in our life and, and really incredible challenges that we're not prepared for is, is not pity. The last thing we need is pity. What we need is connecting to others that have went through similar difficult situations so that we can see the success stories. We can figure out how others have turned their pain into purpose. Yes. And we can find hope in a future. And I think that we need to be reminded that there is future past the hard moments that we're in. And that's really what the No Pity Party was all about, connecting people with organizations in their community that are doing good things. And many of them were born out of pain. And um, so connecting them to resources, letting them hear speakers and other um, people that are real people that have turned their pain into purpose and it's become their life mission and that uh, and and introducing them to to worship music and 
to what uh, it's like to just be in the presence of God. And I think that a lot of people have not been in a position lately. You know, uh, they may be in a position where they, they haven't been there in a while or they've even forgotten what that's like. And, and I want to remind them how amazing it feels. And without a doubt, the Spirit of God was in that place that night. Without a doubt, you could feel God just moving just all throughout that place, hearing people's stories, seeing um, or hearing all these different songs and seeing that sign language song. Brian, that was... We, we, I think we jammed to that song the whole way home, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did. We listened to that on repeat for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Dr. April Jones, you're the real deal, and thank you oh, for yes, being one you. of the biggest parts of the Crucial Conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure. And to be honest, everybody, I am super excited to hear what Crucial Conversation year number two has in store for us. I yes. learn every time something new, something newly spiritual is revealed to me, I think, um, in my own eyes, in my own story, every time I listen to a guest share there. So I'm very excited. I got to ask you, though, the crucial conversation goes. before we get off the phone, I got to ask you, is Lindsay Kiefer still your favorite episode? Oh, yeah, it is definitely one of my top ones. Absolutely. I think I still have so many, but um, there's such a uniqueness about her story, for sure. And I, when you think about, sometimes when we think about challenges, we always think about the ones that we could potentially predict, right? But her story was just so unbelievable, so crazy. It's definitely the last thing, you know, I think that we would have worried about as we go to school or send our kids to school. And I won't give away any more than that, but it, to be able to recover from such trauma and such a graceful hopeful, spiritual way. It's really incredible. Yes. Hopefully we can get her to speak at a no-pity party in the future for you. That would be incredible. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk her into it. Yeah, we We got to talk her into the crucial conversation. And then she's we'll, ready to do another then one. Then she was ready to do round two, and we just haven't, we haven't, we will this year. We yeah, will do, we'll do part it. two. Yeah. We will do a part two. Dr. And April Jones. Thank you so much. Thank you. We love you so much. Yes. If there's uh, anything that we can do to help you, you've helped us so much. We, we don't know how to repay you, but thank you so much. So remind much. them of that cr- promo code, Tony. It is crucial 2020, correct, Dr. Jones? Absolutely. Guys, so go check that, it out. Was, that was Dr. April Jones. Dr. Jones, thank you so much. Thank you. And you guys, be blessed. Have courage. If you're out there and you're going through a difficult time, you just keep listening to these guys at Crucial Conversation. Know that we are praying for all of y'all that tune in, and uh, we want you to hold on to hope because God will make a way. Absolutely. Guys, that was Dr. April Jones with a crucial conversation. She is such a big part of us, man. Yes, absolutely. She's a part of us. That's why she's with us. Yeah, it's family here at the Abs- Crucial Conversation. Absolutely. It's the Crucial Conversation family. I said it one time, and I did an impression of uh, Mike Tyson on one of our episodes, and Tony got mad at me because he's like, <laughs> if people start listening, they hear you go, they we the Crucial Conversation family. They're going to think we're just some joke. Yeah, I'll probably but, cut that. You know, but at, at a, you know, with that no, no Pity Party conference, uh, Dude, that was just that really was a cool experience. That was legit because I mean we had a room full of people from all sorts of different check uh, this out. Backgrounds. She just texted me. Go to mm-hmm. www.thedriftedrum.com backslash discount backslash crucial twenty twenty. 
I like that. Guys, so this is what we got going on for our one-year yeah. show. We're going to go back and talk to some previous guest, Brian. Yes. We put out a social media post that got a little bit of traction on it. We've got some questions mm-hmm. that people wanted to hear some past guest um, answer. Who we got we're calling first, Brian? Well, I think we might as well go all the way back to episode one. Episode one. Well, you can just go back to episode one, and we'll talk to Brother Bobby Hartkin. And, and again, we'll see if I can get that old guy on the phone. Uh, I just sent him a text message saying we'd be calling him pretty soon. And the thing is about when we talked to Brother Hartkin, some behind the scenes again, Tony and I had no clue. No we, clue. We, we had the table set up, and we went, well, you want to try and get a guest? And so we text him at like, I don't know, it was like, 7.30 at night or something. He said, I'm on the way. He said he's on his way. So we sat there and hung out. Um, he showed up, and we ended up talking. I think it's our longest episode. If yeah. it's not, it's our second longest episode. And uh, and we talked for a long time. And the thing is, is that he's episode one, but he's still one of the top five most listened to yeah. of all of our guests. And to me, that's really is impressive is that he's been able to have that staying power. And it's because of the relevance of the conversation that we had with him. That we talk about the depression and man, there's just so many different things. Yeah, there is it, so many a, different things. It's an that absolutely he a, to the table. It's a quality interview that we had with him. And uh, and I think we're starting to. Yeah, to we hear got him. him there. We got him on the phone. Yeah, there he is. Brother Harkin, my man, episode one, season one. The man who kicked off the Crucial Conversation podcast is back live with the conversation. I'm completely humbled, and I mean that. Well, bro, we were just talking about how whenever we we, we bought a mic, put it in the center of the table, we called you at 730, and you said, man, I'm on my way. I would love to help. And ever since then, you've been in our top five most listened to episodes. You were number one for Lord knows how long. We're like, man, is anybody going to beat this guy? And we're just so privileged to have you so open on the podcast from the very get-go. And, Brian, I don't think we'd be where we're at today without him. No. He, like I said, he started it, and uh, here he is. Not to finish it, but to help continue yes, it to help one continue year later. One year later. Brother Harkin, we, we sent out a social media post today, and we said for our prior guest. If there was a question we may have missed or if there's something that you would like to ask one of our guests, send it in to us and we'll be happy to try to get them on the podcast for tonight for our one-year anniversary. And your name came up pretty quick. You talked about depression, which is a huge issue in, in, in today's society, but not very many people talk about it, especially if you are considered a Christian. And I don't understand that concept uh, because... You're not fighting this alone. Why act like it? Right. Well, we all want to put our best foot forward and want no. We all, we all struggle with wanting to impress people or are uh, trying to establish our social mores. Of course, you, you live in the selfie generation where people want to, you know, all they want to see is the highlight reel of your life. And unfortunately, for most people, they find their significance through likes and through retweets. And uh, significance comes from the Lord, you know. And so if you're determining yourself on social media or social status, it's just like anything else. Uh, like the old song says, looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah. Or your true significance comes from Christ. Absolutely. Well, the question that we had sent in for you was, I do not battle or struggle with depression, 
but my preteen does. Could you ask Brother Hartkin what I could do to offset this? What's your thoughts on that? I know when we were talking before the show, you really didn't know what to say because your kids did not struggle with that. But someone who dealt with it firsthand, what what would you tell this parent? Once again, uh, that's a tremendous question. Uh, and I think it's more rampant than most people want to put on. But the truth is the world is swallowing up everyone because they're being driven to be significant in things that are foundationless. You know, it's like building a, a sandcastle on sand uh, near the beach. It's, it's, it's fruitless. Uh, really and truthfully, for a teenager that's struggling with depressive thoughts or anything, the first and foremost thing that I had to do, and, and I said this in the first time that me and you and, and Tony, uh, I mean, Brian got together, was you don't know how relieved I was when you said, hey, let's go play ping pong. So two very significant things happened from that one question. Number one was activity, doing something, getting out of the norm, getting out of getting out of whatever your body, uh, your social makeup. And I'm no doctor. You have to engage in something. You have to engage in a hobby or you have to engage in prayer. You have to engage in all kinds of well-rounded things, whether it's music or something. So for a parent that has a child that's struggling find out what they're active in and all they're active in is social media the virtual world is going to destroy them because they're a living breathing person made in the image of god and he's constantly active and so we've got to be driven by activity number two uh socially we have to be social we have we're made human god made adam and said it's not good for you to be alone i'm going to send you a helpmate and i'm not saying i got to go get a boyfriend or girlfriend but i am going to say that they have to develop their social skills in person not over a phone or a text or a, a Xbox Live. Yeah, Xbox Live or PlayStation, whatever it is. You know, that's where we're losing most of our our social skills and and just basic human uh, happiness is significance cannot be driven virtually. We have to live in the real world. Yes, hundred uh, percent. So, you would say to that parent that it's important to find out what their child is investing their time in. What would you think would be the best thing other than church outside the home? Is it social skills? I think it's everything, Tony. Uh, I think they've got to be active, you know, active in their faith, active in social skills, active in exercise, active in mental exercises, you know, constantly, you know, you don't have to always just go run a 5K, you know. Thank God. Yeah. take that nature walk you know i don't want to do this well we're going to go do it as a family because it, it's important to me and what they don't realize is when they get to doing it it actually creates endorphins for them as well hey bro i gotta ask you a question um just as a one-year catch-up with you whenever we talked about that in that first episode you talked about depression and and how it was just kind of eating at your life and it it caused you to start gaining weight. At what what were you at your highest point? Four twenty five. And where were you at one year ago when we talked to you? Uh, I can't remember to be honest, but I think maybe right around three sixty seven, maybe three sixty, three fifty, something like that. And where are you at now? Right at two ninety eight, two ninety nine. 
And and so now I know we talked about it before, but to kind of touch back in it, what what would you say to a person that is that that's unhappy with where they are right now? What kind of encouragement would you give them to that the best time to start moving towards being who you want to be is right now? Well, I wrote down two words, and they're at the very top of my list, and that is actionable activity. You don't have to go do a 5K. You don't have to do 10 miles. You just got to start with one step. You know, I've got to change a routine. I've got to change uh, whatever routine you're stuck in. You know, the number one place most people are stuck is in their mind. So you start with literally four inches of today I'm taking control of the very first thing I do this morning. I will praise the Lord. I will think positive thoughts. I will go to the Lord with gratefulness. And you, you start with a just an actionable thing. Maybe you can't quote the whole book of the Bible, but you can quote one verse, trust, commit, delight, whatever it may be. But you start imagining, you know, what I did was I had to reflect and remember some of the happiest times in my life. And I think I spoke about that. And then I talked about discovery and imagining what can be, what possibilities are still there. And then you start with the steadiness of thinking, you know what, I made this first step, I'm gonna add to that. And and then, you know, I, I'm big about this when I teach and I try to practice. In fact, I try to practice more than I preach. And that is uh, day by day, by day by day, by day by day, by day by day. You know, one step after another step. And, and I'm back to being a better person than I was even a year ago, uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and even financially. God is really allowing me to explore opportunities that weren't there a year ago. Bro, sounds like you've been blessed this past year. It has been a uh, 2020 type of year. Yeah, I what guess is, I guess you could say it's a 2020 year. <laughs> well, for me, it really is. You know, yeah. it's 2020, uh, but COVID-19 has not got me down, defeated, discouraged. If anything, it's had me to look in, which causes me to look up. And uh, I'm positive that God is doing great things. You know, where sin doth abound, grace much more abounds. You can live and you can look around and see so much sin and get in despair. Or you could say like the man that was selling shoes to people that didn't wear shoes. Oh, my, look at the opportunity. Well, with so much darkness, light, even a little bit of light is going to make a tremendous world of difference. Bro, you're such an encouragement to all of us. I can't thank you enough to be, for being the, the number one episode. What about you, Brian? You know, you can't pick somebody better than one of our good friends. And the thing is, is me, Tony, and Brother Harkin, we were having crucial conversations before it was before the like, like he said, yeah. we'd be playing ping pong, and in the breaks, he'd start feeding into our souls, talking about his experiences as a pastor. Uh, and, and he's always been the kind of guy that he, like, uh, he's just been real. Yeah. I, I don't know how to say it any better than Brother Harkin has always been as authentic i mean the what the way he talks on the podcast or even and even here tonight that's how he's always been around us he's been you vulnerable know. he's been open willing to talk about anything all of our listeners know Fantastic. i'm not from here but as soon as brother harkin and i met he's been the father figure to me even though he's not old enough to be my father he's always spoken <laughs> to my life and there's been times where he said dude what are you doing and i appreciate that man Always speak into my life. Always speak into Brian's life. And thanks for being one of the best parts of the Crucial Conversation, bro.
guys, I love you very much. Once again, I'm humbled, and I can't tell you how much I've been blessed by all the crucial crucial conversations you guys have had. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of commitment and dedication, and I'm proud of the work y'all are doing. Keep it up. Absolutely. i got to ask you before we hang up, and you can't say yourself, what's been your favorite episode so far? Uh, I have to be honest with you. Uh, I think his name's Gary uh, Tracy. Is that correct? Gary Ellis. Gary Ellis. Gary, Gary Ellis. Yes. What a dynamic uh, episode that was. I was super enlightened, and I was super uh, – I was challenged in my spirit by his uh, struggle and his ability to overcome, and especially with such a very difficult topic at such a uh, – such a uh, – what, what word am I looking for? Such a crucial time. There we go. <laughs> I was I was going to say hypersensitive, but hypersensitive crucial time. You know, with all that was going on, he was so anointed and so transparent and very gifted, and it was really a blessing to me. Absolutely. Well, Brian, that's our episode one, season one, God, brother Harkin. We love you, bro. Love you guys. Thank you for the opportunity. God bless everyone. Yeah, you too. What a guy. What a great guy. And, and, you know, like I said, that's just what started it. And and we've had so many great people that we've met. Um, of course, we've known Brother Harkin because we go to church together. But we have been able to meet so many great people, had so many great experiences, and been able to travel. Tony, what are some of your favorite experiences that you've had that maybe we haven't talked about or even we had talked about? But Can I tell you, say, too, that I'm super excited about going to? Yeah. Give a little teaser here. Oh, yeah, I'm interested. Kansas City, Missouri, Chicago, Illinois. That is going to be some great episodes. But if I have to say where we have been, I love that Pittsburgh trip, bro. That Pittsburgh trip was great. That was the first trip that we really went overnight. Um, We went up and we talked. Was our first flight? Was no, No, our second. No, we've got. We flew to uh, St. Louis. Tony and I flew in January, and the the back behind the scenes of that, uh, the whole thing was, I I didn't even know if whenever I came home I was going to have a home to come home to, because (laughs) because we left on like January the seventh, so we flew out on the sixth, which was on um, uh, which was on my anniversary, the eighth is my birthday, and so we were in Pittsburgh and in Ohio. On this, on the seventh, in between, and the thing that was the worst is the night before we left. I didn't think I'd see Melissa, and so we booked a comedy show, and so, <laughs> and so oh we, so we ended up going to a comedy show, and Melissa was not impressed. No, she wasn't. And, but and so we get there, and when we go to Pittsburgh, we talk with Tony Mancino, which was he was great, and well, actually, first we went to Ohio because we talked to Brother Mancino on our way back home. Um, when we went to Ohio. Um, the guest we spoke with, it was the first time that I've ever talked to him and, uh, and, and, or in person. And I had talked to him just a few times on the phone and I thought that John Carroll was an extremely, uh, an extremely, uh, what's the word, um, buttoned up kind of guy. And I thought that, and I even told Tony, I said, I don't know how you're going to be able to take this guy because he's, (laughs) he's pretty smart and he seems like he's a pretty buttoned up guy. And if there's one person that we've met the whole time that has Not. made that has made that has made us laugh more, it, 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 it couldn't be anybody but Brother Carroll. He is. We said, uh, man, he's we he's been a friend, friend after the yeah, podcast. Uh, 
Melissa gets mad and she's like, why don't you respond to my text messages? But if I was John Carroll or Jason Weatherly, you would text me back. And, and so and so she gets on to me and Brother Carroll, you've made us laugh and an extremely intelligent guy. And He's made me think. He made me He's, think. He makes us laugh until we cry. We stayed up till one in the morning with him his wife. Him and his wife were yes. so gracious to let us crash their house for a few hours. Took us to one of the best food places we've ever Oh, been. man, that Italian food was legit. Yes. But we are so glad. We are so glad and happy and thrilled to welcome back to the podcast a great friend of Brian and I, John C. Carroll, which has preached one of the best sermons I have ever heard in my whole entire life. And I'm not just saying that because he's on the uh, uh, podcast with us right now. I'm saying that because it's the God's honest truth. If you want to be blessed, you go to YouTube right now. Well, after the show. And listen to Investing in My Own Mercy by John C. Carroll. Bro, that'll that'll speak to you. Welcome back, man. Welcome back. Hey, it's my pleasure, guys. Thank you for uh, involving me in this this episode tonight, man. It's such a pleasure. And Lindsay and I absolutely loved having you guys here in in our home. And uh, uh, it it was such a pleasure. So whenever we met before, we... We talked uh, about your books, and I want to talk about them again. But before that, I mean, you've you've uh, after talking with us, you've been on quite a bit of podcasts, and I'm not oh, saying you're like a podcast yeah. celebrity. Yeah, now. I'm not saying it's because of us, but but, <laughs> but we, we certainly helped. But we, not- <laughs> we will just go ahead and we will just go ahead and claim that it was because of you guys. I don't think anybody can disprove it. So hey, yeah, and so I'm not going to ask you who your favorite podcast is. But we do know the crucial conversation. But the initials are CC. There it is. It's probably Community Church in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but man, so so here you are, and like I said, I want to go back over. I want to talk about your books again, which we did in the episode, because I think everybody needs to get a copy of both of your books. Absolutely. But I want to know. I want to, you've got you've got a big thing that just recently uh, came up in your life, and we we want you to fill us in. We've we, it's been. Uh, seven months since we talked. Uh, talked on record, at least. Yeah, since we talked on record. And so what's been going on in the life of John and Lindsey Carroll? Well, uh, I am assuming that you are referring to the fact that we have a baby on the way. What? <laughs> yes. How excited which, which are I, you? Man, I am so jazzed. It's, 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 it's pretty awesome because this is my first biological child with uh, I have adopted uh, two other two other kids, but this is my first biological child. So I'm actually getting to I'm actually getting to feel the baby move and stuff now. That's just like man, it's incredible. I am so excited about uh, him getting here. How, you've already picked out a name. Yes, we have. Uh, his name is going to be Calvin. Uh, Lindsay's other kids all their names all start with K. So there's Carson, Corbin, Kipton. And uh, so we're we're naming him Calvin with a K. Of course, my middle name is Calvin, and uh, his middle name is going to be uh, Jet, which I already have. For people that know me, know I love puns, so I already have a ton of jokes for this kid when he gets here. I'll be <laughs> like, "Hey, dude, can you like Jet out to the mailbox and get the mail for me?" So, yeah. You know, now that you now that you mentioned that, oh you've got to be God. the punniest guy I've ever met in my life. In my life. There, there was, there was, there was one moment where, where some behind the scenes, we were sitting around at like one in the morning watching random videos on YouTube, 
and we and we found this video of a deer and we show it to you and it's the funniest thing ever and you watch the video and your response is oh dear lord (laughs) (laughs) man yeah we've had some great times we've had some great times but so let's kind of recap a little bit in case you've not heard jc's episode which i have I find it hard to believe if you're listening to this episode, you've not listened to his. Man, you've been in our top ten forever. You are our, what, number two, number three for absolute ever. Um, But, bro, you had some great wisdom to share. And I want to kind of just recap a little bit of that uh, just because it affects literally every person in America. If you've not been divorced, nine times out of ten, you've had a family member or a friend that has. And I want you to talk a little bit about – um, divorce in the church and you know how you can still have a purpose for your life how God's not disqualified you or God has I mean that's bro that's I said it in our original podcast but I absolutely hate how men disqualify those who God's qualified yeah absolutely and of course you know divorce can happen to absolutely anybody and I, I don't think that anybody goes into a marriage um thinking that, hey, one of these days I'm going to get a divorce and I'll have a second chance at this. But he goes into a marriage thinking that whenever divorce happens, um, I don't I don't think it's ever planned. I don't think it's ever – it's definitely not something anybody ever wants, um, especially what leads up to and causes that divorce. But I think the message that I want uh, to, to communicate is that – if and when divorce does happen, that there is there is life after divorce. There is hope. There is still ministry. There is still a future after divorce, that your life is not over. Your, your ministry is not over. Uh, serving and pleasing God is not over just because uh, someone someone gets a divorce. And there's also, uh, to say, I guess, uh, particularly because of my book, there's also marriage after divorce that there's, there's still hope for family and love and life. Right. I, I hate I hate when people think if you've been drugged through divorce, I guess the word would be dragged through divorce, that you're not allowed to remarry or you're not allowed to find happiness. You're supposed to be alone for the rest of your life. And, bro, I just don't believe that. You know, I, I don't either. And I, I think one of my favorite parts of, of my book um, – on divorce is a section where I talk where I'm responding to the idea of Jesus saying that from the beginning it was not so. And of course, what was not so from the beginning was was d- divorce, not marriage or even remarriage. And so the, the the point that I make there is if if divorce prevents remarriage, then divorce becomes a greater a greater law than marriage. And so what was so from the beginning was marriage. That's the perfect plan of God. And so in a fallen world, divorce does not undo God's purpose for the family. And so just because divorce has happened does not mean that marriage cannot still happen because that's God's creative purpose, God's creative plan for human for humans. You know, I, I laugh I laugh at these preachers that are so, um, I'm going to be very diplomatic here, are very so strict about uh, marriage and divorce and remarriage, but yet they preach from the Bible and they want to talk about David. Yeah. And they want to talk about, you know, 
Like even with this coronavirus, a faith over fear. Well, where was your faith three months ago? Exactly. So, I mean, my family has been so affected by divorce. My grandmother has four grandchildren. I'm one of the four, the only one of the four that hasn't been divorced, thank God. Knocking on wood, I don't know know how Meredith lives with me, but she does. But, (laughs) I mean, it, it just blows my mind how, oh, you've made a mistake we yeah. as the church is turning our back on you. Shame yeah, on us. And, and, and I want to make it clear that what I have about divorce and remarriage is, is I say this, I said it in the book, I said it, I've said it when I've taught about it, um, is that I'm not pro-divorce, I'm pro-marriage. Absolutely. 100%. And, and, and no one hates divorce more than you. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I was sitting around a conference table with, in a private room with some preachers, and they just kept hammering, you know, uh, the text about God hates divorce. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm the only divorced guy at this table. I promise you that I hate divorce more than every one of you put together. Yeah. So nobody hates divorce more than someone who has actually experienced or going through divorce. And, and the thing is that what I appreciate, I appreciate you putting yourself out there to write this book. And because, I mean, this is one of those subjects that people... Shh, don't talk about Yeah, they really don't talk about ah, Let's not talk about I, it. I think, and I, I'm sure we're ta- just probably re-talking about your episode, but you talked to your, asked your church and said, how many in this room have heard a sermon or a series actually about divorce and remarriage and no, no one raised their hand? Not one of them had. And, and I think that that is not unique to your church. I think that is... It happens in all kinds of... I think of- that's pretty standard. Yeah. That's a pretty common, you know, that would be a pretty common experiment. Yeah. Uh, the results would be pretty common throughout most churches. Absolutely. And, you know, we claim, and after I wrote my book, and after I taught the series and wrote the book, uh, you know, there was a lot of guys around the country that were, you know, talking about, hey, this his teaching is uh, anti-family, it's destroying the family, and all of a sudden there was this huge concern about the doctrine and the topic of divorce and remarriage. I'm like, you know, if, if this subject is so important to you guys, why have none of you taught it to your churches? Mm-hmm. You know, that's just like the Peter Sandin episode. There's such a huge issue with pornography in the church, but whenever it's addressed, we don't know what to say. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and what you bring up, is it, it one of the things you've blogged about about how apostolics should debate? This is one of those subjects we need to have a conversation between the brotherhood and and I know Absolutely. I know you want to get to a place where you have brothers debating brothers and eventually we'll get there. But it's just you know because there's yeah, so yeah that's definitely going to happen on a forward talk yeah. uh, <laughs> episode. So what point. is forward talk? Forward talk is a podcast that uh, I do. Uh, it's it's on uh, YouTube, so if anybody wants to subscribe to uh, Forward Talk on YouTube, that would be great. I think, however, though, I'm about to shift a lot of the ep- episodes and especially some of the live stuff that I'm planning to do uh, to my Forward Talk uh, Facebook page. And so I encourage people to check out Forward Talk on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. definitely follow that on, on Facebook because you talk about a lot of things that need to be talked about. And, and again, to the point of about divorce and remarriage, I I got home from that trip, and there was someone I know 
that had come over to my house and he saw that book that that your book divorce on divorce and remarriage at my house and he asked what it was about and I began to talk to him he's been married for many years and he told me Brian I've never forgiven myself because I'm in a, a, a marriage where my he married a divorced woman yeah and he he's always felt like he was married to someone Who that sinned. that was you know He's always been taught that you you cannot get remarried after divorce, and and I was like, man, this is a a book for you, man. This, this is a is book your of hope. Life, bro. This is an absolute book of encouragement and hope that there's there's life after that. And and so I, I think the the title the the secondary subtitle of the book like really really uh, uh, conveys that message. The title of the the title of the book is an introduction to divorce and remarriage. A theology of healing after heartbreak, and so. And one thing you that, know about John Carroll is, if he talks about it, there's scripture to back it. We've we've learned that, Brian. Yeah, I, we've even talked to some preachers that probably have you blocked on Twitter. That would that <laughs> even they say you're a walking Bible. Yeah. I I saw that on Twitter that you've had some people block you, and so you're not immune to controversy. You you <laughs> you know a little bit about it. I don't seek it, but I but you find go it. out of my way to avoid it. <laughs> it finds him. How, how, do, how do our listeners get a hold of your book? Uh, it is available on Amazon, both uh, the uh, Kindle version and the, and the paperbacks. If someone were, were, to be int- were to be interested in getting an autographed copy from me, I do have paperbacks myself. They can reach out to me um, on uh, through Instagram, uh, forward talk on Instagram or uh, Messenger on Facebook through my forward talk page, and um, I can do PayPal and and of course I can autograph and ship out a copy personally. I know you got to jump off here because you guys got some stuff going on at your church and you're probably about to go eat at at Casa. But um, um, are you a Christian? You want to talk about it for just a brief minute? Yeah, I wrote it in 2012, and basically. Uh, the rest of the title of that book is Are You a Christian Redefining Apostolic? And so basically what I do with that book is I try to put some framework to what it means to be apostolic and uh, limiting our definition of what is and is not apostolic to what the apostles preached uh, and taught. And so the, the term apostolic basically means of or relating to the teachings, the teachings and the practices of the apostles. And so basically the whole point of the book is to label something apostolic you have to demonstrate what the apostles either taught or practiced in regard to that issue so all of the things that we bring up in the 21st century that we like to label apostolic like that haircut is an apostolic or that suit is an apostolic or it's apostolics you know don't wear such and such color it's like no to demonstrate what is apostolic to demonstrate that something is or is not apostolic, you have to demonstrate what the apostles taught and practice yeah. about that particular issue. And so my point would be no, nobody wants to wear an apostolic suit in the 21st century because an apostolic suit was a robe and sandals. Man, I appreciate you for being on, but we've got to let you go because we got some people waiting to call in. And so we're about to hang up hey, on you like I, you wanted I us to hang up on our last guy. <laughs> Hey, let me say this before I go. Before we go, real quick. Yeah, I got two things for you too. Go ahead. L- Lindsay has made uh, Lindsay has made life uh, so much more so much better. Uh, remarriage can be 
can be amazing. A second marriage can be glorious. And so I just I just want to give somebody hope with that. Hey, is she there with you right now? She uh, she is not. I don't think. Let me see if she's. Let me see if she's out here right now. Hey, Lindsay, can you come here just a second? We might be in trouble, Brian. We don't want to talk to her. We were just wondering if she was there. No, no, no. Forget that. I want to talk to her. She was the best part of that episode. Hey, the crucial conversation wants to ask you a question. We're live right now, so. Hello. First of all, congratulations. Yeah, that's what we were saying. Congratulations on that Bambino. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So we wanted to definitely at least say hi to you because you were the best part about your husband's episode. Oh, yeah. So we we just we wanted to say hello and thank you for hello. being on the show. I know you didn't want to be, but we kind of drug you into it. But this is the second time we've drugged yeah, you into it. Yeah, it's the second time. But I'm like what? What do you want? <laughs> but congratulations. You're not me into it. You can't. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. So when are you guys gonna be in Memphis? Do you know or does John need to answer that question? When are we going to be in Memphis? Yeah, it's October something. Yeah, so what yeah. we're going to do, we're going to put that out there and let all of our guests know that the John C. Carroll is going to be in Memphis and we're all going to make a crucial <laughs> conversation trip. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank Especially you. they're single because it's a singles conference. There you go. There you go. Well, thank <laughs> you so much, for guys, both of you guys, for being the, one of the best parts of our conversation. Thank you all so thank much. You. See y'all later. All right. Love you guys. Love See you y'all. later. Bye. See ya. Man, those carols can't get away from Calvinism. Every <laughs> one of them, every one of them names their kid John Calvin or something like that. And so, man, it makes me nervous every time I think about it as an apostolic naming them after Calvinism. And and John Carroll knows that we're joking about that. But uh, uh, so this is this has really been fun getting to bring up some of the old memories and and one of the uh, great memories uh of in the in the crucial conversation of us last year was getting to talk to jeff arnold oh man that was a blast and and getting to take uh, talk to jeff arnold it required us going to kingsport tennessee not gainesville tennessee or gainesville florida where he's from uh, we went and uh and jeremy damesworth uh, was hosting him and he took care of us he put us in like a celebrity suite in the hotel same hotel as jeff arnold and the thing is is at like three in the morning the fire alarm went off and so we're in the lobby and jeff arnold comes walking in and he's all just woken up and he's like what's going on and i asked him i said brother arnold did you light up a cigarette in the room <laughs> and is, or did you set the alarm off and that trip was so awesome because, again, Jeremy Damesworth took care of us. He yes. he had just got a vehicle and let us drive it. I don't even think he had driven it like I, I more than a day. Yeah, they hadn't even but. driven it more than a day. And we, he let us drive like 500 miles on it, to, driving all around. Seriously. Jeremy Damesworth is one of the most real, genuine guys you'll ever meet. Have you seen his pictures on Facebook where his church looks totally different than it did when we were there back in February? I know. I, know. I wish we could have seen it. But it you know nice. what? A year later, we're talking to all of these guests from the very get-go, but I was super excited to talk to Brother Jeremy Damesworth. Brother Damesworth, how are you, bro? Doing well. Thank you for having me on tonight. I appreciate it. Before we get into the deep stuff, a baseball season's about to start. Yes, sir. How do you think the NL Central is going to turn out? Well, of course, I think the Cardinals are going to come out on top. Well, it's been great talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, man. If anybody knows Jeremy Dainsworth, everybody knows he's a huge Cardinal fan, and we're going to get past that. We forgave him. We had him on anyway. But anyway, bro, you had one of the best, one of my favorite interviews that we've done on the Crucial Conversation. You are very open. You are very honest. And because of that, we've had people write into us and say, hey, you're going to be talking to these guests that you've had on the show before. Um, I got something I want to ask Jeremy Damesworth. Bro, you are super open and honest about your family. I, I saw that just recently um, you preached from your mother's Bible in Kingsport, Tennessee. How was that? Yes. Um, my mother passed away nine years ago on July the 8th. And July the 8th just happened to fall on a Wednesday. And we have midweek service on Wednesday night. And I was just looking at that Bible and I thought, this would be a great way to honor my mother, uh, to preach from from her Bible, study Bible. Uh, after nine years of being gone, I still look at it, read from it, pray with it, pray through it. The little notes that she's left along the way, uh, it was just encouraging. And uh, I really felt the anointing of the Lord. Uh, and uh, I know without a shadow of a doubt, it's because of my mother and her consistent prayer life that I am where I am today. And, um, it was just an honor. And, um, I, um, it's, you know, when you've got praying parents, it just, uh, it makes a huge difference in your life. And, uh, it made a difference in mine. And I am where I am today because of my praying mother and parents. Mm. Brother Damesworth, you're very open about your mother, and you're very also open about your father. Um, we had a listener email us today, and uh, for the life of me, I would not embarrass this person at all. Um, however, we did get someone that wanted to talk about something your father struggles with, and that is homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And right. that doesn't get talked about in the church. That's right. that's That's a subject that... Oh, we love them. The but same. it does get talked about, but it's always that they're the uh, someone other. Yeah, it, it's it's one thing to talk about the sin of homosexuality. It's another thing to talk about in your family when your child or your dad or your mom or whoever. I mean, it's it's easy to talk about in generalities, but when you get specific and get down to the real we world, don't know how to deal with where it. people really deal with it, and you have in your family. And, and Tony, the question from the listener was, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, it's fine, but they, they're they dealing with their teenager struggling with gender identity. And they are scared to death. They've raised them in the church. They felt they've raised them right. Anytime the church doors was open, they were there. Um, they prayed with their child. They read their Bible with their child. But now their child is confused and they wanted you to speak into their life a little bit, Pastor Damesworth. Can you do that for them? I will do my best. Um, I, I pray that as I speak, the Lord would give me wisdom and understanding and the right words to say to this individual family, whoever they might be. One thing as a parent, um, when we raise our family, just like my dad raised me. He raised me right from wrong. Um, 
he he taught me all of my life that the uh, spirit of homosexuality uh, was uh, not of God. And so as a parent, if I can, I don't know how much time we got, but we'll we'll address the, the parent is that a lot of times parents that raise children that uh, they come out to think that, hey, I, you know, I'm having issues with this uh, homosexuality spirit. As parents, immediately we think we're failures. Uh, We think that uh, uh, we've gone wrong somewhere. What did we do wrong? And and chances are, depending on the case, because every case is different, every family situation is different, but most of the time, it's condemnation that is trying to sneak into the life of a parent, trying to condemn them for the actions their children are taking. But no, condemnation does not come from God. Condemnation comes from hell. Conviction comes from God. Amen. When you are convicted, that is hey, what you did was wrong, now here, let me help you. Condemnation says what you did was wrong, now let me destroy you. And and so to the parents of this um, situation, do not let condemnation destroy you. But along with that, do not, um, uh, do not use condemnation to try to correct your teenager, whether it be male or female, regardless, God still loves them and God still cares. But the spirit that they are dealing with is looking for an excuse so they will feel, not the person, but the spirit. Remember, flawed flesh can make mistakes, but we have to look through this through the eyes of the spirit, not condemnation but through the eyes of the spirit. And so that spirit is looking for a reason to become ill at you over the way you treat them. Yes. Is the spirit wrong? Absolutely. Is it of God? Absolutely not. It's not of God, but they are still human. And I think we Pentecostals make a mistake is that we judge people instead of the spirit. Mm. that that person is dealing with. They're still your child. They're still your baby that you brought to God, that you've raised in his presence. They're, they're still that little one that God cares for. And so condemnation is only going to push them further away. And what I mean condemnation is, is that getting all up in their business, what you're doing is going to send you straight to hell. You know you're going to hurt this family. Yes, image is important, but it's not so important to push condemnation on your child. Amen. But at the, at the same time, you have got to let your uh, your child know, your, your, your children know that you love them. And I know the word love in Pentecostal churches, we use that and we say, well, that's just, you know, that's a group of charismatics. All they do is love, love, love. <laughs> But what we, we fail to remember, everything Jesus did was with love. Yes. Even though it came across as correction at times, 
it was still with love. I, I advise you today, whoever you might be, and my heart goes out to you. And I, I pray, I will fast and pray with you, whoever you are. Beginning tomorrow, I will fast and pray that God will move. But you can move mountains with love and patience more than you can with condemnation mm. and, and being so much worried about what everybody else is going to think. Now, dealing with the actions of homosexuality, you must love your, your child through that. Great chances are, and this is not every case, but 90% of the cases that I have dealt with when it involves a student in homosexuality, they're really looking for someone to give them attention during the time of confusion in their mind. And whatever feeds that spirit is what the way they will act and react to the situation. Um, I preached a message one uh, right before my dad came out and stated that he was a homosexual. And, and yes, it was a it was a story on Facebook. It probably wasn't no truth to it, but it was some good preaching material. <laughs> um, but it was sleeping with a serpent uh, uh, is what I titled the message. And 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 what it was is that they said the serpent was sleeping with the owner, and when the owner would wake up, the serpent would be laying beside it, and uh, and they she carried it to a vet, and the vet said, "What this snake is doing? It's sizing you up to eat you." And I preached a sermon off of that about sleeping with a serpent, feeding those spirits. And if we feed the spirit of homosexuality, what it will do is it will push your child closer to that spirit. So we can't feed it by uh, looking at it and saying, you're going to hell. You're going to be lost. You're an embarrassment to this family. You're, you're, you're hurting the image of us because we've raised you in the truth. And now you're turning around and walking away. I told my dad that night that he told me about his lifestyle. I said, Dad, whatever you do, do not leave the church because the church is love. That's your safe place. And I I hope I'm making sense. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and what I'm saying is that I would rather you take this young man or young lady to the house of God and them sit there knowing their condition and be loved by the pastor and the pastoral team and the church family and them pull it through it, then let's get so worried about our image that we're going to jump ship and go somewhere else that we're not even going to, you know, treat the individual just like a normal person and then pray. This is the prayer. I take spiritual dominion and authority over the spirit. I take spiritual dominion and authority over anxiety, depression, and fear that, oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost, that this spirit brings against this child of God. Because hell, 
You can't come against a family that's been buried in the name of Jesus and the blood has covered their life. You can't do it. So, hell, we're not going down easy. We're going to fight, but we're not going to fight the way that you would think that we're going to fight. We're going to fight back with love and compassion, and we're going to fight devil. When you think we're not fighting because we're not saying nothing, we've got a prayer closet, buddy, and we're wreaking havoc on hell because we are moving in the spirit, not in the physical. Uh, and uh, whoever this individual is, if, if they're willing to email me, call me, um, I'll do my very best to help them. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, if, if you're in the Kingsport area and you do not have a home church, you can hear how dynamic this guy is, Brian. He is one of my favorite people in the world. And Brother Damesworth, we cannot thank you enough for being as transparent as you are. Um, bro, You have your church has got it going on right now. Yes, we are blessed. We are blessed. We, uh, uh, if we got just a little minute here, um, we we're in the middle of this pandemic, and we've just been able to start going to church. Um, in our last episode, we we probably talked about our church having a, a guest every week, and we uh, average one baptism, one being filled with the Holy Ghost every week. We was out of church for about ten weeks from in the house. We were baptizing people and people getting the Holy Ghost in the, in homes. But since we've joined back, uh, we're baptizing people. People are getting the Holy Ghost, and they're coming to what we call a Rediscover Life class, which is a, a, a class where people come if they're addicted to It doesn't matter what it is. This class is reaching out, and uh, we've baptized at least one per week since we've returned on an average. People getting the Holy Ghost. But what it is, it's they feel that they can come and be who they are and let Jesus Christ take care of their situation instead of us. And when we preach Jesus, we'll get results that only Jesus can produce. Mm. Amen to that. That's awesome. Brother Damesworth, we love talking with you, and hopefully we'll come see you again. Can we come soon. back and visit you, bro? Well, you sure can. Yeah. You just load your happy self up. Come on. <laughs> Did you say hefty self up? <laughs> no. Hey, I'll make you a deal. I'll make you a deal. You pick us up from the airport again and let us stay, keep use one of your rides, and we'll we'll come back. And, and he's got to take us to the chop house. Oh, in the chop house, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brother, we, brother Damesworth, bro, we love you so much, man. Yeah, and you know we'd love to talk to you longer, but I think Rick Lovell said he's texting you, telling you to get off the phone so he can call in. Uh, yes. <laughs> did he send you some text messages? He probably has. Uh, he might have texted y'all and texted me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There he is. He texted. <laughs> so I, I guess our guests know who's coming next, brother Damesworth. Bro, we love you. Thank you so much for being a part of our conversation. Yes, thank you for allowing me. I love you guys. Keep up the good work and go, Rick. Leave us with a good word. All right. He's all, he's on deck. Love you all. Bro, Jeremy Damesworth is the man. Hey, he's not here to defend himself. You want to talk about how the Cubs? Bro, everybody, everybody who's listening knows the Cubs are taking the division this year. Bro, so tell us a little bit about Rick Lovell before we get him on the phone. So he has one of the best sound bites of the whole – 
time that we've ever done the crucial conversation. Um, it, it was see Tony and I are the worst about doing these interviews because our goal is to ask the best question and and to and, and like we brag about it to one another, be like, oh well, yeah, you had good questions, but my question was the one that made him go, oh wow. And one of the best oh wow moments is I asked Rick Lovell a question I think about finances, and he goes, oh wow, these are. These are tough questions. These are crucial questions. You should call this the crucial conversation. And he's holding at one point he's got he's like whenever he's talking to us, he was playing with a frog that he uses to go bass fishing. And I asked him a question and he like tenses up and he broke off a few of the tentacles on the on the leg of the frog. And so, and so that that was so funny because I mean it's just like yeah and so Tony and I are, and Tony and I are, like I said we're just horrible because we're either in competition with one another to ask a better question or the world's worst is when we're doing phone interviews because behind the scenes Tony and I are goofballs and Dude, our goal our goal is to make each other laugh in the it. middle of it and there's been there's been a few where we've done some episodes where uh, <laughs> we've been in the vehicle and. I've made Tony laugh so hard. He had to step out of the vehicle. He had to put us on mute and step out of the vehicle and laugh. Oh and so God. I always do better whenever it comes to making him laugh. And I always do better at asking him the tough questions. And here he is, Rick Lovell, who I've asked one of the toughest questions ever to, right. as I just talked about. I absolutely <laughs> love Rick Lovell. Oh. Oh, man, what a great guy. He's got he's got a uh, podcast out now after uh, talking to us. Yeah, so a year we're, we're talking to Brother Level. Thanks for being on. We're talking to all these people that made our first year so successful, and you're definitely one of them, bro. You had some of the best answers to some of the hardest questions we could think of, and not only that, but Brian, do you remember the sermon he preached on the Sunday after our podcast, bro? It was so good talking about stepping into the river, stepping. Into the water. There was. I did have one major problem with it, though. It was, it was Rick Lovell preaching. No, that there was no shout out. I'm like, dude, we hung out with you all day yesterday, yeah, and not not a shout out. Yes, but whatever. Jeremy Dainsworth would have done it. <laughs> well, he's always talking so long anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's got to get all of his hellos out of the way, I guess. Brother Lovell, thank you so much for being on the show with us once again. Um, I've said it to everybody so far, but I absolutely, from the bottom of our hearts, we mean it. You are what made our first year so successful, and we love coming back and catching up with you. Uh, like Brian's mentioned, we're going to get to talking about your podcast here in a minute. Um, awesome podcast, very uplifting, um, daily bread for sure. But before we get there, you have dealt with some serious, hardcore transitions, and whenever we made the Facebook social media post, I feel like I keep talking about this, but I want to make sure every li- every guest knows why we're talking about it. We said, we're talking to these people. We want you to ask them questions. Rick Lovell's name came up, Brian. His name came up, and they wanted to talk a little bit about transition. And I completely connected with this listener's question. Yeah, the question the was, question how was do you transition, transition from monofilament to fluorocarbon <laughs> to braided line? First of all, braided <laughs> line is out. And, and it just depends on the circumstance and uh, how you pick what jig to use. See, there's Brian not being serious again. That's another whole podcast. Yes, it is. But this person wants to know how in the world they can trust God when that's unstable and unclear? Well, the 
there's a, obviously several different ways to answer that, and you're exactly right. I have been through um, two what I call monumental transitions. Um, and, and what I mean by that, for those who don't know, I'm talking about transitions that were fairly sudden, uh, were identity changers, um, you know, things where you, you think you're going to be in this role, you kind of take on a persona of maybe a position you're in, and then all of a sudden God reshuffles the deck and you're something totally different. And then, you know, years go by and you get kind of wrapped up in that identity and, and that work. And then all of a sudden God does it again, and it's a total different identity. Um, purpose can change, all those kind of things. So when you're when you're dealing with this, man, I have lived through those, I mean, literally months of feeling like I was in a cloud that I couldn't see through, so much uncertainty. But the one thing that I, I guess I, I have to start my answer with is, I knew that the the transition that was coming and the uncertainty that, that I felt, the, the lack of clarity at the time during that transition, I knew all of that was not started by me. I knew that I had not made any choices or decisions that brought about the confusion. I hadn't done anything that brought about the that unstable feeling. Um, you know, there's times where God will give you a holy discontent. And like I said, I've been there. I felt it. And I was so, I remember being so overwhelmed when I feel it because you, you, you learn to recognize this is God about to do a divine shift. And you have to be okay with that. You know, you just, you just have to be okay with it because you understand God's doing it and it's not you. Um, when someone is, is feeling a lack of clarity, um, maybe it's a clarity of calling, a clarity of position, a clarity of location, whatever that is. Obviously, you know, I'm going to use the cliche phrase of you have to seek direction, but at the same time, you cannot force God's hand. Um, I believe you have to fast in order to submit your, your flesh to your spirit, but I don't believe that fasting propels God's answers. You know, it's like God's going to give you the answer when he wants to give you the answer. All fasting does is help you prepare for the answer. So I believe as soon as <laughs> yeah. you, you sense a lack of clarity, you have to start, you have to kind of ramp up your fasting, if you will, fasting and prayer. Um, because timing is everything with God. I mean, God works on his own clock. It's not our clock, which is so aggravating sometimes. Um, you know, I just, there's days where I just want to show him my calendar and go, hey, can you stick to this, please? <laughs> um, but that's, that's not what he does. He doesn't have those kind of calendars. So understanding that every type of transition, there's always going to be divine timing to it. And when timing is everything, then we we have to accept the fact that there's times where it's not time for us to know the time. You know, I mean, if nobody knows when Jesus is coming back, then he can use that same principle to say, well, you don't know the exact time that I'm going to move you or transition you but you just need to be ready for it. And so not getting frustrated with the timing factor of it. And I always tell people, man, stick with the old word until you know you got a new one. <laughs> um, you know, you, you can have, you can be unclear. You can know there's change coming, but until you get that brand new fresh word that's confirmed by elders, 
you know, you better stick to the old word because it's not done yet. So, so what 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 I've learned about you, brother Lovell, is you you live uncomfortable because you know <laughs> change can be coming, and so I, I've learned the hard way, bro. Uh, and I, I still feel like I struggle with it. That comfortability ten years later is very uncomfortable because oh yeah. because you've you've you feel like you've missed your avenue you were supposed to take because you enjoyed being comfortable. Man, I, I got to tell you, I there's times where I kind of, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I'm almost jealous of the guys who know that they're in one spot and they're going to pastor for 35 years and they're going to retire a ripe old age. Like I know guys that know that they believe that and it's happening for them, but that ain't me. That's not me. Um, that's not a lot of people. And God does move you around. I mean, we, there's so many biblical references for that, that very few people, you know, in their walks with God, does he ever leave them in one spot, whether it's physically or even emotionally, spiritually, whatever. God loves transitions um, because it makes us grow and it makes us trust him more. So he's going to do that, you know, and, and that unstable word that you use when things feel unstable. Um, I, I'm going to go back to that other phrase I used about the divine shift. You know, it's probably a holy earthquake. <laughs> it's something that you thought was your foundation is starting to become, uh, you know, less solid, less secure. You know, you, you have to be ready for that change of position, change of leadership, change of purpose, change of location. Um, because it's, it, it, and again, it goes back to, did I start this? Did I make a choice that created this? And if the answer is no, then if it's God doing it, then I'm just going to have to trust that he is going to finish the work he started. And I can't let myself get all bent out of shape trying to figure out all the details before he's ready to give them to me. Amen. Man, the worst thing in the world, though, is that unclear part. We've talked a lot about unstable, but that unclear, where's that money going to come from? Where's that job? Where's that house payment? Where's that next meal on my table coming from? Man, that that is that's a place where you just have to trust God, and no matter how uncomfortable it is. Yep. So I, I'll tell you what did it for me, that really helped me get a hold of this idea of trusting God, especially when it's unclear. Uh, it, it's the it's the typical story of of Abraham when he God told him to go sacrifice his son Isaac. Um, there there are a couple things in there that I think get overlooked in that story. And when you guys sent me the, the text saying, hey, we want to ask you about this, um, literally just a couple hours before that, the Lord had impressed me to read this story today and be ready to talk about it sometime. And I had no idea where this was coming from. I didn't know it was you guys, you know. A <laughs> couple of bums. I'm telling you, it's uh, it's amazing how God can use you. Um, it was a joke. There's, uh, <laughs> I'm I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Hang up. I just want to hang up. Be like, yeah, it wasn't for us, Rick Level. That's the spoiler. That message was for somebody else. Go do your own podcast. That's funny. Oh man. All right, I'm listening. I know Brian. All right, all right. We're gonna get serious for a second here. Everybody preaches, and we all sing about Jehovah Jireh. Okay, what does everybody say that that means? Trivia question. It's provi- provider. Jehovah? That's not the definition. 
Well, you have to change some lyrics to a lot of songs then. Uh, it's really going to mess up a lot of songs. But actually, if you look at the real definition, I mean, can it be stretched to that? Absolutely. But the true core of it, I want to give this to you guys because this right here is where I get my, I guess, trust from. Um, this understanding is where, when you ask me, how do you deal with these sudden transitions? How do you go through it? How do you trust God when nothing is clear? This is where I get it from. And it's from Genesis twenty-two fourteen. 14. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Jehovah Jireh, the literal translation is God will see to it. Now, you and I both know that to see to something can mean he'll provide the answer. But I, I really feel like in our westernized culture, we materialize that word too much. You know, that provider, he's going to provide a substance for us. He's going to provide money. He's going to provide, you know, something. And we, we try to plan ahead for what God needs to provide for us. You know, we start praying for stuff. We're like, hey, God, we, you know, I need this or I need that. We try to be, we try to tell God what we need when the reality of God is that he will see to our, basically our success in him. Maybe not our success materially in life, but our success in walking with him and living for him. When he Abraham looked at Isaac, he just witnessed a miracle, and he turns around and he says, this place is Jehovah-Jireh. This is where God showed us, hey, he'll see to it. Whatever the situation is, whatever we need in our life, I have to trust, hey, God will see to it. God's going to figure it out. God's going to work out the details. It, 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 to me, that's a different way of looking at it than just saying God is going to provide what I need because as soon as I say provide what I need, again, I'll repeat it, I try to tell God exactly what it is that I need to have provided for me. When mm -hmm. what I think I need and what God knows I need may be two totally different things. So I just have to trust that if God is working and God has called me to do something, whether it's, you know, it's Abraham's go sacrifice your son or it's something else God is going to see to it that I am successful in him as long as I stay submitted to him so you know when it came time to move our first big transition and I'm looking at a total career change I'm selling the house that I had worked so hard to get I mean everything that I thought was all wrapped up in it and the next thing I know you know we go through some serious financial changes um it, and i had to trust that god would see to it that my family you know stayed okay <laughs> and he did every time he's done it every time there's been a major shift um there's been details that have been worked out that there's no way i would have prayed for that there's no way i would have come up with that answer but when i look back and i see god's hand at work i'm like wow he really did see to it and just that that mentality toward God, that understanding of, of that characteristic of him is really where I get my trust from when things are unclear. I just have to trust that maybe I don't know all the details, but I know he'll see to it that all the details get worked out. Bro, so you know what I'm picturing in my head right now is you you were talking about showing God your calendar and say, can you work around this for just a little while? You also uploaded a video, of, I think it was last week, of you holding, uh, I think it was a trout that kept just wobbling out of your hands. And, bro, 
it's a funny video, but that video actually spoke to me like, dude, this if this fish would just be held long enough to know it's better in my hands than it is on flopping on the ground, then my I'm life. I'm let you preach it. That's good stuff. <laughs> I mean, bro, that's what I'm saying is you're, we think that we need to show God what's best for us. Mm-hmm. But but in turn, bro, I'm telling you, God knows best. Yeah, the only yeah, thing, thing is, is if you handle the trout, it kills him. Brian's he's he's on another level. I don't know what it is. I just feel like being no. It is a great point though because I mean that really is the truth. Is that we find ourselves sometimes in God's process and we think, man, this is going so slow. But 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 to the truth of the point that Tony is making is. Where is a better place to be than in God's process and where God wants us to be rather than just anywhere else in the world? Bro, That's so true. So tell us about your podcast. Tell us, our po- listeners, about our podcast. After you've listened to our podcast, you can find Rick Lovell's podcast. Where at? Just something to think about. It's on all the major distributors. And, I, I mean, I have to give you guys props for this. You know, there was... Basically, three people I talked to whenever I felt like you know I needed to start a podcast, but it was after I came on y'all's podcast and I watched how y'all did it and y'all shared some you know some key things for me. Um, I mean, ultimately, you guys were the inspiration behind it. So there's your shout out, and I really do appreciate you guys. And I have given you that shout out on my podcast. I probably need to do it again. Yes, we um, heard it. Yeah, but uh, just something to think about with Rick Lovell. You know, I'm. Um, I have so many podcasts in the works. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since I've, I've posted one. Um, I don't know. I'm, I probably need to get more consistent with it, but uh, I don't want to put something out there that's not, you know, I, I, I'll put it this way. I want to show, I want to, I want to come out in a tuxedo, you know, not in a, uh, like I just got out of bed kind of look uh, with, with the podcast. So I've got a bunch of them I'm working on and a lot of it has to do with, you know, the things that people are scared to talk about, things that people are, uh, they're struggling with, maybe they don't understand, uh, they're afraid to ask questions about, um, you know, this, like it, like the name of the podcast is, I'm going to give you something to think about so that hopefully you can start talking about it and it'll bring about some growth and development in your life. Bro, just don't, just don't outdo us. That's all we ask. You know, I'll never reach the status you guys are at. I mean, y'all are... <laughs> and, and I want to know, I mean... What kind of a jerk would go out there and give you a one-star review? Because, like, looking on Apple, I think you got, like, one one-star review. What kind of a jerk would do that? Well, somebody was probably feeling some conviction. They didn't know how right. to handle it. Oh, oh man. Rick so might, might, might be Tony because he does that every time somebody starts a podcast. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. I haven't true. even looked at that. I didn't even know that. That's- no, you, 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 you honestly, you don't. I went and checked to see if Tony did, and he didn't do it to you. I, I would never do that to you, bro. I'm just, I'm kidding. just kidding. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> Bro, so I always tell our listeners, if you're in a five-star mood, listen to us. If you're wanting to give somebody a lower star, listen to Red Level's podcast. <laughs> Bro, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to come on and talk with us. Bro, you're an expert in transition, and we appreciate you. There's nobody better that could uh, talk about that, and we're so thankful that you took the time to do it. Bro, thanks for being one of the best parts about our last year's worth of conversations. Absolutely. You guys keep up the great work and uh, praying for your continued success. Hey, man, we're going to come see you in St. Louis soon. Hey, do it. Bring a fishing pole. There you go. Hey, we'll do that for sure. 
Man, I love talking to him. Uh, Melissa, come on in. Come on. M- Melissa, my wife just got here. Come on in, please. Uh, oh, it's locked. Okay, hold on. Rick Lovell just texted us and said, good call. Brian, you got Melissa to deliver you food? And so while we're here, we gotta give another shout out to our Melissa say hi to the pod, on our podcast. Nobody's ever heard your voice. Hello. Like you gotta do it in the mic. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. So Brian's sitting here eating. Melissa just brought him food. So uh, Brian, tell us a little bit about what you thought about Donnie Copeland's episode. You know, he's he's just brilliant. I mean, he has a, a different kind of perspective. A lot of people, you know, they talk about politics. And uh, it's one thing to talk about politics. It's another thing to have hands-on experience with it. And, and his episode just goes to show kind of the variety of things we do as a Crucial Conversation. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because, you know, we don't just do one sort of interview. We don't just talk about theology. We don't just talk about a heartbreak. We don't just talk about mental pro- struggles and depression. But, you know, we get into like these real subjects that affect us every day. And one of them is politics. And so we. Who, who better to have than someone in Arkansas who pastors, who has been a politician and understands the political side of it and the church side of it. And we talked to him for quite a while. I think we released it back in October. And we're glad to have Brother Donnie Copeland on again yes. so that we can ask him just a couple of questions, kind of get some of his insights, and hopefully book him for later this year so we can talk about the importance of what's coming up in this next election. Brother Copeland, thank you incredibly much for taking time out of your schedule on a Friday night to talk to Brian and I on our one-year anniversary. Bro, you're, you helped us get here. We appreciate that. Absolutely, guys, and congratulations on a year and uh you guys have done phenomenal in such a short time, and I, I want to congratulate both of you. So we have, we currently have, I'm going to plug ourselves, Brian. We currently have, we're knocking on 60,000 subscribers' doors right now. Wow, and, that's amazing. And every single one of them are living through the pandemic all the same. And there's so much stuff going on. And one of our listeners emailed us today, uh, Brother Copeland, and said, I would like to ask Brother Copeland a question. And so instantly I was intrigued because I love politics. Brian loves <laughs> politics. And so I was very eager to text you. I, was, I called you first and you didn't answer. I was like, oh, man, he's going to be busy today. But thankfully you took time to answer this question. So we all see what's going on around us. And this listener wants to know your perspective on the United States becoming a cashless society. We've seen signs in windows saying, use correct change or use your debit card, or we are not accepting cash at this time, um, other tender required. What's your thought on that, bro? Let me, let me uh, and, and thank you for the question. Thank you for the caller that, that asked the question. Um, I, th- I think it's no doubt, and I want to, I want to, try to make this as as brief as possible but as thorough and i don't think there's any doubt that COVID 19 is real it's it to me it's like the flu uh and i know when i say that some people's gonna roll their eyes and and say whatever so it's undeniable that it's real it's undeniable we we probably all know someone that has either gotten very sick or even died uh from from this however i would say it has been so politicized 
it has been used as a uh, weapon by the left and by, I think, globalists. Uh, and I think the number one reason it's been weaponized is to defeat Donald Trump. And I, I, I hope if I was not a Donald Trump supporter, I would still uh, feel that way just because of the mass inconsistency. And, and, and what I'll say is I think while COVID-19 is real, I think it has been used and I think it has fast forwarded the globalist uh, agenda by three to five years. I, I really do. I think it's everything from uh, AI facial recognition uh, to uh, trying to get kind of a dystopian uh, fear uh, infusion, infusing fear into society, uh, getting people to stay at home, uh, getting people to be controlled, seeing who will be controlled and who won't be. And uh, I think part of that is the cashless society that the Bible talks about. And I believe it's Revelation 13, and y'all can correct me there, but I think that's right. And so I think it's no doubt that there's a cashless society coming. The Bible tells us there is. We've seen that. Uh, over the last few years. I mean, think about how many people write checks now, how many people uh, use cash. It's less and less. And then just uh, in April, I believe it was, or May, that uh, China uh, announced that they're going, they are rolling out in the next few months the digital RMB, which RMB is their currency, and they're literally uh, going to introduce a di on a limited basis four cities the, the digital RMB, which is a total and complete cashless uh, society uh, on a limited basis. And so it, it's coming, guys. And I never thought I would see it, but we're, we're seeing the, you know, in my lifetime, that is. But I think we're seeing the book of Revelation unfold before our very eyes. Absolutely. So whenever we hear you can't buy, sell, or trade without this mark, what do you think that mark is? I think it's less, you know, in our minds. And, and, and I told someone in a Bible study I had this morning that a lot of times we look at the Bible and we see things in the Bible. And people that I've, I've not been there, but people that have gone to, that have visited the Holy Land, they say when you see the actual places where Jesus prayed or where Joshua marched around, the, around Jericho, when you see those places... It's nothing like you envisioned it in your mind. And I think the past is like that, and I think the future is like that. And I think in our mind, you know, when we heard 666 and Mark of the Beast, we're thinking black magic marker with three big sixes on people's forehead. And I think now what we're seeing with, take animals, for instance, that are being injected with tracking devices, uh, and and all their information now is is able to be read off of a, an injection of a, you know, of just a microchip. And, and I think that's what it is. I think it's a number. It's a, it's a series of numbers and uh, I, it's a system uh, that we're by, we're going to be controlled. And, and I've got a, a friend that's a, a great Bible scholar. He tends to think, and I hope and pray that he's right, that the United States will stand alone because of our defense of Israel and we won't become a part of that. And I, you know, I would like to believe that. Uh, but I think that's a pretty optimistic view, unfortunately. 
Yeah, it's very it's very generous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so so let me ask you this, and if if you don't want to talk about, we'll edit this part out so that way you don't have to worry about it. But um, with COVID nineteen, what was your perspective on Tony's spell? Do you think that he was making a, a call that was right for his church? Do you disagree with? what he did or you agree with what he did, but you just agree with some of how he did it. Like what was your perspective when you watched him kind of be front and center on, and I, on the and news? I, and we feel comfortable talking about him because he was actually yeah, one he, of our guests. Yeah, he was. A, uh, he's actually our yeah. number one most downloaded right now because of all the controversy. Actually, we got a – somebody sent us an email cussing us out for having him on. Uh, yeah, we had some hate mail yeah. because we had him on. So. Well, you know you're hitting the big time when you start getting hate mail. I like that. I wish we got more, but we, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what we need um, to do next. You know, my initial reaction was, come on, guy. I mean, I'm just being honest. That was my initial reaction. But the more I thought about it, here's what I thought about. Guys, we have people through the ages that have been boiled in oil for gathering. We've got people today in China that are arrested and put in prison for life for gathering together. Uh, and 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 so some could say, well, he's you know he's putting people at risk. But there's not one person that's going to that church that's not going of their own uh, volition. And, 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 and also, I think what what people is is, is they were they were doing uh, uh, they were doing they were they were they scanning they, they, they were they were I, I think they were doing some doing some like they were just being willy nilly with it. And man, just far be it for me to to read a guy's mind and to judge somebody, uh, him or the people there. And, you know, I, I wonder, really, if you look at the southern states versus the northern states that, that you know, uh, quarantine, the southern states that were more, more open, I, I wonder if he wasn't more right than he was wrong, to be quite honest, you know. Uh, and, and I don't know. I don't know that we'll ever know. Um, but, man, I just... I, I thank I, the I man just, I, for sticking to his convictions. Yeah, yeah. And I think he really believed that. And I think the people there really believed that. And, I, you know, I, I would say probably the case could be made that they didn't have any more severe sickness and, and tragedy COVID related than the churches that totally shut down. And, I mean, you I, know, his, and, his community, Brian and I learned his community depends on that church, not just for spiritual feeding, but for physical feeding, for, for, for love, for clothing, for, bro. it's not just a church. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a safe haven for his community. And, and people were depending on him for that. And, you know, at least, at least he stuck to his convictions. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that 100%. So, and Brian touched on it a little bit. I didn't mean to cut you off, bro. Go no, ahead. No, no, that's fine, that's fine. Brian touched on it a little bit, and I, I, he said for another episode, we've got just a couple more minutes. Uh, I, I, I definitely want to talk about what's at risk in the 2020 election. Well, yeah, it, it would take, you know, two or three episodes for that. Man. <laughs> hey, hey, I, hey, can I, I cut you off just for real, real quick? Absolutely. Because I just want to make sure. Um, you are voting for Donald Trump and not Kanye West, right? <laughs> Your assumption is correct. <laughs> All right. So tell tell us and our listeners the importance of, of this election coming up. You know, we hear every election, this is the most important election of our lifetime. Uh, 
and and I think each one subsequent uh, or previous uh, th- that was correct. I don't think there there's no one that can say this is not the most important election because if you look at back, Black Lives Matter, you and that's that's just a purely Marxist organization. You look at uh, how radical the left has become. Uh, man, if 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 people don't stand up now and vote uh, for for Donald Trump, we're uh, I, I really do. I think we're I think we're doomed. I, I really do. And and I'm just gonna go on record here and say I think he wins, and I think he wins big. I really oh, do. I like that prediction. We need you know what we need to do, Brian. <clears throat> the last time that me and well, the last time there was a presidential election, me and Brian had a party, bro. I think we need to throw a party together, brother Copeland. I love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it, it may, if, if Donald Trump were to lose, it may not be a very exciting one, but we need to throw one. Well, so. I think I think it's a slam dunk myself. But anyway, that's beside yeah, the yeah. Point. That would be the world's worst is people start making memes of us, like people are making memes of people at Hillary Clinton's <laughs> rally. <laughs> Donald <laughs> Trump will never. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, are those not the best highlight reels? Watching Donald Trump will never be president highlights. Let, let me give you some empirical evidence, I believe, why he'll win. I, I talked to someone the other day that's not voted in 40 years, and they went and registered to vote. And, and I said, why did you register now? And they said, because I can't let the left win. And uh, and that right there told me, he said, man, hey, if you got people that hadn't voted in 40 years that are vote, registered to vote, so they vote for Donald Trump. Um, I, man, I, I think – now, I, do, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, – of a lot of attempt to oppress the vote in the suburbs by Black Lives Matter and the Democrats. Because don't ever forget, they're best at what they accuse the right of. So, But you just said that you had somebody registered to vote that hadn't been voting for 40 years. My Correct. My grandmother that's been dead for 30 is going to be voting for Joe Biden this, this, this October. <laughs> no, well, it kind of cancels itself out, doesn't there'll it? There will be a lot more of that probably than, than my, uh, my example. Yeah. And I had a question, but totally that question totally took mine out of my brain. I didn't even remember what I was going to say. Brother Copeland, thank you so much for taking time to sit down with us. Um, I've told every guest this. Our listeners are probably tired of hearing me say it. But I remember the question. Oh, go ahead. Do you think there will be a debate, or do you think that the left no. will say, well, because of COVID, we fast. cannot risk no, no, Joe he, Biden? No, can't debate. I mean, the guy can't string two sentences together. He's not going to debate. It's, yeah. That's not going to happen. So yeah. I, I I I wish it would, but that's just me. Oh, that would be that would be the golden television. Oh man, that would be, yeah, that that, that would be. It's it's almost sad. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to say how very proud I am of you two guys, and it couldn't happen to two better guys. You you guys you you really really take seriously what you do. You love what you do. And you're so good at it. And Tony and Brian, I just want to tell you how proud I am of both of you, and I, I'm just looking forward to the to, to the great things and, and the wonderful service you provide. So, congratulations on a, on Bro, a year. That's ultra kind, but we've told everybody, and we mean this, and you're just as big a part of this as anybody else. But you are what made it successful for the last year, bro. Your episode, I mean, just your intro is just so powerful. We cover so many topics and. Man, I, I can't thank you enough for, for sitting down with Brian. And I remember the first time I met you, uh, we, we came down and did a kids' revival at your church. And I was like, man, that guy's really, really cool. That guy is well, so cool. And I'm Tell so, my kids that, would you? What's that? So tell my grown kids that. Oh, man. 
they, they know they just don't tell you. Hey, and the Joe Hanthorn episode was, man, I was just bawling. It was just, it was, uh, I called him after it was over. I said, man, I'm, I'm so proud of you. We talk, you know, probably once or twice a month, but thank you guys for having him so on. That was, the next that time you talk to him, let him know that he's creeped into our top ten. Yeah, I'll tell him he's nowhere near me, but he is in the top. <laughs> there you go. You got to keep it strong. <laughs> that, that's that's no problem. We, hey, I love we really you guys. Do. Thank y'all so much for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we really appreciate. All right, you. brother Copeland. Thank you so much. God bless Brian. God bless Tony. So whenever we got done interview, uh, talking to him, we wanted to go out and eat with him, and I, he was he was going to be busy at his church, and so we let he we left, and we get all the way to Cabot from Little Rock, and he t- calls us and says you guys still in town where you guys can go eat? And we're like, oh, dude, absolutely. And so we turned around and we went to a, a hibachi place that was absolutely delicious. And one thing that stands out to me about that trip is uh, Brother Copeland uh, goes in there and he's kind of been eating healthily, but he he tells us, he's like, hey, if you guys want some cayenne pepper, you got to tell the guy to put the cayenne pepper on it. And so we're like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. We talk a lot and about food on this podcast. Yeah, oh, we do. And so he, uh, well, I just got done eating. And so Brother Copeland tells the guy, yeah, I want some cayenne pepper. And the guy's like, well, when do I stop? And he's like, I'll tell you when to stop. His food, he, he put so much cayenne pepper on Brother Copeland's plate that his entire stir fry was dyed red. It, and it, it was it was unbelievable. And there was another lady he did it to and accidentally gave her the plate to the wrong person. But uh, anyway, but oh, dude, I, you know that thing was burning hot. And and you know, actually, when we talk about food, one other thing that the crucial conversation has allowed us to do is allowed us to judge a barbecue competition. And it was, it was legit. legit. And and we actually have the pastor on now that hosted the barbecue festival and one of our best friends and one of our. Best supporters, a guy who talks about the crucial conversation everywhere he goes, or at least he tells us he does, <laughs> Pastor Tony McCall in Lake City, and not too far from us. And we should have had you. We should have just driven to you, but um, rather than talking to you over the phone. But uh, I guess we want to social distance or something. Except for on those ribs, I don't want to social distance on any ribs you got. Amen, brother McCall. We love you dearly. We can't thank you enough for the wisdom you've poured into Brian and I. Through the last 12 months of getting the Crucial Conversation off the ground, <clears throat> your episode is truly a staple of what we wanted to accomplish when we got this thing started. Um, bro, I-, I mean it when I say it. Thank you so much for being so dynamic in our lives, and we're so glad that you could come on and talk with us for a little bit. Well, thank you very much. First of all, let me say congratulations. It's been a year. <laughs> uh, it's been a year, and it has been a strange year in a lot of ways. And you guys have you've done something special in the last year. You've brought um, issues and discussions and conversations to the forefront that perhaps we never would have had. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for your efforts. I'm thankful for your energy. I'm thankful for your passion, your drive. And I'm thankful that God has allowed me to be a part of your life. And mm. uh, I, I, ha- I see I see great things happening there. And I'm thankful for each and every one of you guys and what you're doing for the kingdom. And, and what every, every episode of your podcast accomplishes in some way, I, they're all different. Uh, they're, yeah. There's the broad variety, but <laughs> yeah. all of it works together. 
and uh, and it's making us better. Yeah, and 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 talking to you about uh, our episodes, I and mean, we've we've talked to you about you've talked about our dynamic, and like you made the comparison how like Tony and I are like the color and statistic commentators for baseball, which I don't get because I don't watch baseball. I get it. Harry Carey was one of the best. Was he color or was he statistic? I, I have no idea. You don't know what he was. <laughs> but, he's, but, he's a color guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, but, yeah, he's, but he's, he's he's all over the place. place. So he's he's the Tony. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, yeah, I'm all over the place. Go ahead. Uh, so, <laughs> so, but but one thing that we've done on a serious note, other than just talking about the dynamics of what you think makes our podcast work, is that whenever we've faced people that have been like, why are you having conversations like that? You've been a support in saying, yeah, I mean, that people are going to say things that are controversial. People are going to say things that not everyone's going to agree with. But it's important to have the conversation no matter what. I mean, and like you've, I think you've talked to me before about how, like, in theological circles, how, like, uh, you know, uh, you, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was called. It's something about conversation that you have where you have people that have different views, and it's important to talk about the things that aren't normally talked about. Amen. One of the things I learned early in graduate school is that an expert on any subject is simply someone who has read all of the literature on the subject, not just parts of the literature, but all of the literature, and is well-versed in the many different arguments that exist. and is able to, everybody has an opinion, everybody has an idea. Everybody has a particular point of view, but an expert is someone who can situate their point of view in conversation with points of view they don't agree with, points of view that may stand in opposition to them, ideas and, 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 and uh, mindsets that, that have been put out there that are part of the cultural history of a topic or an idea that they are conversant with and they can make their idea stand in the context of all of that, that's an expert. And so you can't get there unless you can hear opposing views. You can't get there unless you can entertain and, and discuss. You don't have to agree with, but entertain and discuss with uh, people who have different points of view. So I think it's very important that we get the broad spectrum and that we see and hear everything that is there. And uh, and and sometimes it feels like, you know, looking a Band-Aid off of a wound and, and open it up uh, you know, something that that is not comfortable to talk about. But in, in a very important sense, that's okay, because sometimes we need to talk about those things. And so canceling speech isn't a good idea. Amen. What about canceling culture? You know, <clears throat> we live in a strange world, and uh, things are evolving very rapidly around us. I, I don't know that a year from now, when we're celebrating the second anniversary of the, the crucial conversation, I'm not sure that the world as we know it will look the same as it does right now. I think one of the predominant questions that our culture faces is, you know, who are we? Who are we as a people? Who are we as a nation? Who are we in the context of our history? And um, while I, I have firm, I firmly believe in the uh, just causes that are being uh, pushed to the forefront right now. I, I believe that racism and bigotry in any form is, is sin. I believe it's wrong. Uh, 
Uh, I believe that uh, many of the wrongs that are being highlighted today need to be they need to be t- talked about. They need to be discussed, and and there there are corrections that need to be made. But at the same time, uh, there seem to be forces at work. Uh, that are that are seeking to do more than just correct injustice, but seeking to remove us as a people, as a culture, from our moorings, from our foundations, and cancel the connection to our identity or who we are in, in a way that I, I'm not sure will be productive. Time will time will tell. I, I'm reasonably certain that there are forces at work here that are that go beyond the just causes that have captivated our minds. But I, I think it's important because I think what's going on in the in the real world around us reflects something that's going on in the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. And I believe that same kind of attack is coming against the church. I believe the question for the church is, is who are we? What, what does it mean to be an apostolic church in the 21st century? What does it mean to be the the descendants of the book of Acts, to, to be the people who hold the legacy and the promise that was born in an upper room on the day of Pentecost. What does it mean to be the church? And, and I think that's something that we as a church are, are have to come to terms with and that there is there is an attack right now, just like we see this cancel culture trying to cancel everything that links us back to the foundational history of who we are i think that same type of attack is taking place in the spirit i think that that the enemy of the church would like nothing more than to rob us from our foundation identity who we are what we are and and i think it's important as a church we we stop and we reinforce ourselves in that identity we are his church we are uh you know we're we're strangers and pilgrims in this world. We 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 have a very wonderful picture of what it means to be the church in the Old Testament, where Israel is in her exodus, coming through uh, the wilderness journey. They're a nation in transition. They're they're no longer slaves, but they've not they've not yet arrived at the promised land. They're no longer in Egypt, but they haven't yet reached the promise. And I believe that is a lasting image of the church and that's what the church will be as long as the church is in this world regardless of culture regardless of generation regardless of the surroundings around us as long as the church is in this world we're going to be embodied as a people in transition as a people who are on a journey from the bondage of sin to uh, the promise of heaven and we can't afford to lose sight of that we can't afford to lose sight of our identity who we are in this world and, you know, that's what we were kind of talking about with our prior guest, Brother Copeland, is, you know, it's almost scary how quickly the man can shut down. I say the man. That's kind of funny. But man can shut down life as we know it. <clears throat> and so there really truly is an attack on the church because the church was a part of that. Yeah, and... and- and a part of, you know, as a pastor, the heart of this period of, of trying to determine when to do church and how to do church and how to navigate this current uh, environment has been the most difficult thing I've ever encountered. Whenever I had to make the decision to, to move services online and uh, actually uh, not have our normal gathering, it was probably the most difficult decision. Uh, no, probably about it. It was definitely the most difficult decision I've ever made in my life. Uh, it was something that seemed so uh, oh, so my out phone of character. Like it's about for, to die. <laughs> Go ahead. What's, 
out of character for what it means to be the church, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's what my grandmother said to me. She said, for 80 years I got up and went to church, but now for someone to tell me I can't go to church just just one day. One of of my points in all that was there will never be a day when this church's doors are closed. I, I did... I, I, I know different pastors reacted different ways. We did every broadcast, save one, uh, the power went out. But we did every broadcast that we could from the church building. Hey, shout out to and, Brad that's over here by his side. He 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 set you up, didn't he? Hey, if it hadn't <laughs> been for Brad, we I don't know where we would be. And, uh, we have called him in a panic as service was <laughs> needing to start. Uh, he has been... Uh, I'm not not to rat him out, but he has been in your service and our service at the same time, doing uh, <laughs> technical issues and helping us solve things. And oh, he, he's Brad! A, he's a superhero. There you go. Well, bro, there's one question that a listener messaged us that we wanted to ask you. Um, there's a series that you're going to be starting. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, I, I have intended for some time now to write uh, a book on what it means to be pilgrims and strangers in this world um, to talk about that identity of the church and and the touchstone for that for me is in first peter so uh, I, I have taught expositorily through first peter once in the past and i want to revisit it again as foundation for writing and i think i think that when we're talking about the identity of the church the 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 that identity is very well stated in the very first two verses of Peter's first letter, First uh, Peter chapter one and verses one and two. He 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 uh, identifies the church as in, in two ways. He identifies the church as the apostles. Uh, I'm sorry, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered, and then in the second verse, he identifies them as elect according to the foreknowledge. Of God, I think that those two terms, strangers and elect, and actually uh, they're juxtaposed, they appear side by side in, in the Greek text, and elect modifies strangers. I know they appear in a different order in, in the English re- rendering, but they appear in such a way as uh, where elect modifies what it means to be a stranger. I think those two terms, elect and stranger, identify the church in, in two dimensions. In, in one sense, They describe who we are in Jesus Christ. We are the elect of God. We are his chosen. And that's a special thing. That is our identity. Our identity derives from who we are in Jesus Christ. And that that vertical dimension, who we are in him, that is, we are the elect. We're we're separate. We're we're set apart. We're different. We're, 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 We're not like the rest of the world. And you know what? That's a privilege that we take for granted. Absolutely. But then he goes, the second term, strangers, identifies us in the world. It identifies us on a horizontal dimension. It identifies who we are in this culture, who we are in this world. Uh, It is the posture of the church throughout the ages. It's the posture of Abraham in Genesis. It's the posture of the church in Egypt. It's the posture of the church in the wilderness, the Exodus. And Peter says it's the posture of the church in the first century. We are strangers in this world. We're in this world, but we're not of it. We live here, but we don't belong here. This, This is where we have settled 
down and where we're building our lives. But this is not what we are settling for. We're living for something beyond this world. So you see, uh, the patriarch Abraham, he lives in the promised land, but he never builds a house there. He never settles there. He lives out his days. He and his sons, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, they live out their days in tents. Why? Because they're not living for that promise. They're not living for that, that nation, that place on earth. They're living for a city whose builder maker is God. Abraham is never satisfied with that land that will be uh, the inheritance of his, of his, of his grandchildren and great-grandchildren, generations to follow. He's always striving for something that is beyond this world. That's the posture of the church. We are his, and we're the elect of God, and we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. I think that is the critical message the church needs to be hearing today. Uh, it has to do with our identity. It has to do with who we are in Jesus Christ. And it has to do with how we relate to the world around us. And I, I think that uh, a foundation for that is First Peter. It's not the, it's not the whole uh, and some of the thing. This is a thing that starts in Genesis and goes all the way to Revelation. But it First Peter provides a good place to begin to discuss that. Bro, it sounds like that's something that is pretty close to your heart. You might want to get on writing that. I'm telling you. I have, <laughs> matter of fact, I took a few days off work this week and, and had blocked out some time to sit down and try to put together again. I've, 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 I've tried to outline it and, and figure out exactly how I want to put it together a couple different times. And I, I blocked out a space of time this weekend to try to do that again. Because I think that until I hit on the right formula, uh, I can't move forward. And I really feel like this is a message that is critical for us. Crucial. In this generation. Crucial. It's there a crucial it conversation. There it is. Bro. <laughs> hey, we got to talk about it. what it means to be the church. Amen. Right Bro, thank you so much for being such a close friend to my family. Uh, thank you I for. Want, I want you to know we love, I love you. I love Brian. Um, one of you guys is the color guy. One of you guys is the stats uh, guy. The, the stats guy, and, and I, I'm hard pressed to say which one I love more. But I love you guys to the from the bottom of my heart. Thankful for what you're doing for the kingdom, and uh, I'm just glad that that you're a part of my life, bro. I'm a, I'm so thankful you're a part of the conversation, and bro. Thank you so much for taking time with us. Tell your dog we said hello. I know he's trying to get on here telling us hello yeah, to Yeah, I'm, I'm behind <laughs> closed doors, and he's decided to access a she. Her, her name is Dixie. Dixie is an old English Uh-oh. bulldog. Change it. And, uh, yeah, she, cancel she culture got, says you got to rename your dog. <laughs> you got to name it the dog. <laughs> I got to rename the dog. You know, the dog was named before we got her. So, oh, there you go. Uh, she can get an attitude every now and then uh, Brother McCall thank you so much for coming on Uh, go Cubs man Uh, well you know right now they've lost more games than anybody yeah so is the Cardinals and and the whole thing Oh Lord! Oh man, I, I wish we get to see some baseball, but I'm not sure it's going to happen. You know that back to his thing about how it's hard for him to say which one he loves more. It's comments like that is what keeps you out of being in first place. <laughs> <laughs> Brother McCall, thank you so much, man. All right, God bless we you. We love you. Man. Have a good night. All right, bye. Yeah, he's he's an absolute genius, and there were some questions that uh, uh, one of our listeners wanted to talk to with him because of his master's degree, and he was like, you know what? I want to talk about, you know, he, he, he kind want of, to talk about heart. Yeah, stuff. he wanted to talk about some heart stuff. And so uh, he said, leave the, that academic stuff tonight to someone that that's nerdy. 
and 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 so uh, and he actually called Jason Weatherly the nerdy guy and so I called I texted him and, and he didn't get offended by that which is which is good and so we've already got Jason on the phone I refer to Jason as coach affectionately and so coach hey, Weatherly hey, hold on you know what I refer to him as what's that the giver the giver the giver do you know why I call you that bro no, tell me, please. So we all went out to dinner one night, and you rode with us, and you oh, left your oh, Yeti oh, cup oh. in my truck. <laughs> yes. That I joker actually, got washed and is currently on my desk at work. <laughs> actually, that's my that was originally my son-in-law's Yeti cup that he left in my truck. <laughs> so, so freely I received, freely I have given. Well, I freely <laughs> accept. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll put it to very good use. So um, the reason why we got you on, and like I said, we're we're just talking to some different people, just catching up that we've talked to this last year, and it's it's hard to believe that it's been since last year that we've we've talked. It's, I think it was like in November, or October that you came to Jonesboro and uh, set through a PI and hung out with us. You're actually like the one guest that drove all the way to us. Usually we go to them. And and so that was a little special. And then Tony got a Yeti cup out of it. Yes, yes. That's yes. my fifth Yeti, bro. I'm Yeti popular. I like that. And so uh, they want, somebody wanted us to come on, and there was two things that got brought up. And one of them was they wanted to ask about a, the Granville Sharps rule. And I'm assuming they – and actually I had messaged them. They were referring to the sixth rule of Granville Sharp. And um, – can you give us a background real quick on what the Granville Sharps rule is for the, the people out there that uh, aren't familiar with Greek Graham? A.K.A. Tony. Okay. Um, Granville Sharps six rule has to deal with nouns having a definitive article, then followed by a conjunction, and then another noun with a definitive article. So probably what they're asking about is Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, what Granville Sharp said in his sixth rule was that, um, and I'm, I'm quoting Granville's rule here, I've got it up in front of me. It says, and as the insertion of the copulative chi, that's the Greek conjunction and, uh, the copulative between nouns of the same case without articles, according to the fifth rule, denotes that the second noun expresses a different person, thing, or quality from the preceding noun. So likewise, the same effect attends the copulative when each of the nouns are preceded by the articles. So what he's, what he's saying is, or what Trinitarians try to do, is they try to take Granville Sharp's sixth rule and apply it to Matthew 28, 19, and show that the phrase, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, or of the Father, of the Son, because it's in the genitive, so it's possessive, uh, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And they try to use Granville Sharp 6 rule and say, well, see there, that's three persons. Yeah, like I actually uh, hate to cut you off, but I'm looking right now in one of the debate charts I tried to send you that I've been working on in case I'm ever challenged, and was, which is the reason why I call you coach. I've got a I've got a slide in here that's actually got Wayne Jackson's picture 
which, of course, you know who Wayne Jackson is because you've debated several Church of Christ people, and he's he's one of their guys. And, and he said on page four of uh, The Godhead, one or three, but note that there's an article before Father, an article before Son, and an article before the Holy Spirit. Hence, they do not refer to three manifestations of one person, but rather they refer to three separate distinct individual persons. And then he goes on to say, this is... Uh, known as the Granville Sharps rule, and so you would respond to that. How so? Well, first, I would I would point out that that uh, Granville Sharp had exceptions to his rule, and that's the part that doesn't seem to be quoted by the Trinitarians. Uh, Granville Sharp said, "Except distinct and different actions are intended to be attributed to one of the same person, in which case, if the sentence is not expressed agreeable to the three first rules." but appears as an exception to the sixth rule, the context, the context must explain and point out plainly the person to whom the two nouns relate. And two of the examples that Sharp pointed to were John 20, 28, where Thomas answered and looked at Jesus and said, the Lord of me and the God of me. And obviously the Lord and the God in John 20, 28, is talking about one and the same person, which is Jesus. And then also in Revelation one seventeen, Jesus said, um, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. So there's, a, there's exceptions to the rule that never seem to be brought up in debates. And the interesting thing, though, is that the standard Greek grammars – and I'm going all the way back to like G.B. Weiner, A.T. Robertson's large grammar, even um, Dana and Manti, uh, Bill Mounts, Daniel Wallace. All of these are your standard Greek grammars. When they talk about the Granville Sharp rule, none of them mention Matthew 28, 19. They never apply it to Matthew 28, 19. Um, as a matter of fact, Daniel Wallace said that Granville Sharp's rule is widely misunderstood and abused. And so 10 plus years ago, when I was putting together uh, all the information for writing my first book, Calling on the Name of Jesus, which is available on Amazon, by the way, shameful plug. Um, it's okay. You can do it for free. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I emailed Dr. Wallace about Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. And even he, as a Trinitarian, said, uh, no, if, if you're trying to apply Granville Sharp's rule to Matthew 28, 19, it's, it, it's not going to work. You're overstating Granville Sharp's rule. So uh, one of the things I've been pointing out here lately, um, matter of fact, a few months back, some of the Jonesboro crew were down in Cabot because you guys now have a, a Celebrate Recovery ministry in Jonesboro. Congratulations on that. And so uh, Chris Taylor was here, and I was explaining to him that Matthew 28, 19, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, in Greek, the article is genitive, that's possessive. So that's why it has the preposition of, but that's passive. No one would say, I say no one would say, we don't normally say the wife of Brian or the wife of Tony. We say Brian's wife and Tony's wife. So you could translate Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, and this is grammatically and contextually correct. 
you can translate it. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son's and the Holy Spirit's name. And that is grammatically correct because all you've done is translated the genitive case, the possessive case, in the active voice. And don't you know if a translation came out like that, the Trinitarians would flip their lids because it's so (laughs) obvious that it's one name. What is that name? That name is Jesus. Amen. Wow, Brian. I now understand why Tony McCall wanted to leave it to Jason Weatherly. <laughs> I still don't know what he means by him being a nerd, though. Yeah, I don't either. That's, but, that's okay. I will. I will take that. I am a, a little bit white and nerdy, so <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, bro. So we've not been with you for a little while, like as Brian referred to, and you had an episode with us, and you were one of my wife's favorite episodes because you talked about the lady who impacted you the most it was somebody that you never thought would ever impact your life period and yes. so that kind of made me and my wife a little bit more subconscious on the people that's around us uh, and for the next 2 minutes we got a couple more minutes here uh i want you to talk to our our guests that may have not or guests <laughs> talk to our listeners that may have not heard um that story of your lunch lady, just give us a quick rundown because uh, it's such okay. a powerful story. Because they can get the full story on the Crucial Conversation. Shameless plug. There we go. So I wasn't raised in any kind of church denomination whatsoever. And my experience into the apostolic Pentecostal faith was through my cafeteria, my high school cafeteria lunch lady, Kathy Sager. Uh, my friend in high school was dating her daughter at the time, and that's how I became associated with Kathy. Kathy got a burden for Michael and myself. Uh, Michael was my friend, and just began praying. We didn't have a clue that she was praying for us. She just got this burden and started praying for us that God would would save us, would would fill us with the Holy Ghost, bring us into truth. And she and her husband Calvin were the ones that took me to church. I, the, I, I lived 20 miles away from the church uh, where they uh, where they attended. We, we I went to BB High School. She worked at BB High School, and she went to church in Lone Oak, where the Joe Strands were the pastors, and now uh, Dr. Tackett is the pastor. So, I didn't, being in high school, I didn't have a job and have a car. So, a lot of times, Calvin and, and Kathy Sager would be the ones that picked me up. They invested their time, uh, their lives into me and if it was not for calvin and kathy sager i wouldn't i wouldn't be here i would not be the man i am today thank god for the lunch lady yes the cafeteria lunch lady i mean who who would have ever thought no one thinks that the cafeteria lunch lady is going to be an influence in your life but she is my mother in christ uh brother calvin was my father in christ i say was he's he's passed away and uh, i helped uh preach his funeral so uh, and I still attend church with Sister Kathy. I mean, we both go to New Life Church in Cabot, and that is my mother in Christ. And I, I owe a great deal of who I am to the Calvin and Kathy Sager. Wow. 
And so, like I said, you can hear uh, the full story on the Crucial Conversation. It's a, it's a story that's going to impact you and encourage you. That listener asked one last question, and then I just want to ask you uh, one real brief question. And like I said, we've only got just a, a couple of minutes with you because, like I said, we asked you just for about 10, 15 minutes of your time. But uh, j- uh, if you're in a debate and they throw up on the screen First John 5 and 7, what do you do? <laughs> okay, so First John 5, 7 from the King James Version says, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. This is a debated text from the Greek uh, because there are very few Greek passages that contain the, the words that, that are translated into the King James. So the first thing I would point out is that even if the Greek text is genuine, it still does not uphold a trinitarian godhead because the trinitarians teach that there's one god in three persons but the text doesn't say this one is three it actually says the opposite it says these three are one so that would be the first thing i would point out and then i I would also bring up the fact that even trinitarian scholars recognize and identify the text as being bogus uh, so a lot of the English translations are translated from uh, the Nestle Alon or, or uh, the Westcott and Hort. It's, it's all based upon a different uh, Greek text or Greek, Greek grouping of, or a grouping of the Greek text. So the King James Version is based on the Textus Receptus, which was copied by Erasmus. And even Erasmus did not include first john 5 and 7 in his earlier editions of the greek text so it wasn't until he was pressured by the catholic church because first john 5 and 7 does appear in the the later versions of the latin vulgate and so they put the pressure on erasmus and then he finally uh put it in his 1522 edition of the greek text and this isn't just a oneness pentecostal coming against this text because even if it's genuine it still does not promote the Trinity. But even Trinitarians, let's listen to what A.T. Robertson said. This is incredible. A.T. Robertson, who was a Southern Baptist, he was the, uh, the mo- one of the most famous American Greek scholars of his time, if not the American Greek scholar of his time. He calls it spurious. He says the spurious edition is in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth. The last clause belongs to verse 8. Some Latin scribe caught up Cyprian's exegesis and wrote it on the margin of his text. And so it got into the Vulgate and finally into the Textus Receptus by the stupidity of Erasmus. Now that's Robertson's words, not my words. And that's, you know, he's a Trinitarian. So it's highly debatable that the text is even genuine. It's started off as scribal notes in a margin and then somehow worked its way into the Vulgate. The Catholics put the pressure on Erasmus to put it in the Textus Receptus. Bam, there you got it in the Textus Receptus. And that's where we get the King James translation, which was, you know, the most popular translation for, it's probably still the most popular translation even even today. But after 1611, a couple 300 years after 1611, in the late 1800s, a ton of Greek text 
were discovered in these trash heaps in Egypt. Then you take that and you add to it the fact that in like the 1940s, you had the Dead Sea Scrolls. So we have even more Greek texts today than what they had in the 15th century when they were translating the uh, the King James Version, or the, excuse me, the 17th century where they were translating the King James Version. Um, so the, we have more Greek texts that don't have it than Greek texts that do. So it's, it's an issue of textual uh, criticism and even if, again, even if it is a genuine passage to the Greek text, it does not promote the doctrine of the Trinity. It actually says the complete opposite of what the Trinitarian doctrine teaches. Man, and, and that's why we like you. Is is It's just so easy. Like me, it takes me like a two-and-a-half-hour episode to explain that, and you were able to do it in five minutes way better than I could. <laughs> and, it, and if you want to hear more, you can go to the Crucial Conversation podcast page, episode 26, right, Brian? Yeah, that's where we, uh, we interviewed uh, Brother Weatherly. Thank you, who? Brother Weatherly. I got tongue-tied. I'm sorry. We've been going for like two and a half hours. Um, so, so thank you for coming on. Uh, real quick, where can we find your books, and how is your uh, your your master's thesis going? Uh, my books are all on Amazon. You just go to Amazon and do a search for my name, Jason Weatherly, W-E-A-T-H-E-R-L-Y. You'll find three books, Calling on the Name of Jesus, an apostolic apologetic of the baptismal formula. Great was the company of women and apostolic theology of women in ministry. And then the last book is a woman's glory, a look at headship, head covering and hair. Uh, master's thesis wise, um, I will be defending my master's thesis. Uh, hopefully everything goes good. Uh, spring of next year. So I'm wrapping up my spring summer courses at UGST. I think I have about two weeks left in two courses. I get a breather for about a couple weeks and then the fall semester starts right in again. Um, and so the fall semester, there's a class in biblical research, which is where you actually start writing your thesis and working with your advisor. Uh, I'm so super duper excited to be working with Dr. Jeremy Painter as my advisor for my master's thesis, and then Dr. Jeff Brickle as my second reader on it. So I will have, it's on, it's on a subject of eschatology. I've written about it all, in some bits uh, for systematic theology too. I've written some things in my eschatology class and I'm building upon a lot of that. So I already have a lot of the research. Um, it's just going to be the writing part, but I've, I've gotten a good jump on it. And but shout I'm, out to Jeremy Painter, episode number 23 on the Crucial Conversation. That was Brian's favorite episode. That was a lot of people's favorite episode. That was one of I, I don't know if I would. It's kind of like asking me to pick between my children. Uh, what which children? Ones? I'm just saying it's a parable, I think. <laughs> yeah. and, and so, so, so I was about to say, did is there something that happened that I wasn't aware well, of? Well, we, we have been on quarantine. quarantine. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for coming in, and best of luck with your master's thesis. And and, and we pre- I appreciate um, – I mean, I just appreciate you being a friend. I really do. Thank He's you. a smart thank guy. You. And I appreciate you guys too so much. And thank you for that I, Yeti so much, bro. You're welcome. And listen, I'm not just saying this. I really appreciate what you're doing with this podcast. It's it's awesome. The – the different guests that you have on here, it's it's powerful. So, and I and I listen to it. It's and he didn't even know what a podcast was until we came on, or at least he had never listened to one. 
I hadn't. Yours was the first podcast I ever listened to. So. All right. So, what was your favorite episode? Can we ask that? Um, I I can't think of what the lady's name is, but you'll know who it is. It's the lady that uh, came out of uh, modeling and Jacqueline St. Clair. That oh my goodness, that interview was powerful. You know when she was like uh, saying, "God, if this this Holy Ghost stuff is real, I want to receive the Holy Ghost." in the water and when she talked about speaking in tongues as she went down into the water and the guy was like Woo. we we never saw that before and i was like man and and so just the way she talks i mean it's you wouldn't her speech is apostolic you would not know talking to her any of her past lifestyle so it's just a, her story her testimony is amazing about God's deliverance. Yeah, she's that, great. that is my favorite one. I have no doubt that she's really going to just absolutely just rock it out of getting on all these different platforms telling her story. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, Jason Weatherly, thank you so much for coming on, spending some time with us, and thanks for helping us get to where we're at now. Thank you, guys. Thanks for yeah. having thanks, me. Thanks, Coach. All right. God bless. See you. What a cool guy. Oh, <laughs> well, guys, we're down to our last phone call. Last, last one. one. Last, last one. one. I mean, I hope you guys have been like on a long drive or something to be able to enjoy the. I've enjoyed uh, this, con- this conversation. I've enjoyed tonight. Uh, you know, th- this is the thing is when we first started off, people were telling us, hey, your episodes are too long. And our longer episodes have actually always done better. But I will say one thing is that long episodes are pretty exhausting because we're having to pay attention and, 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 you know, we're, and this is one thing is it, sometimes it's tougher, Tony and I, is that we've got to figure out, well, what's the best segue? What's the best question to ask next? Cause you, nobody wants that awkward downtime. And so, uh, it, it's nice to, to have shorter interviews where you're on a concise point and, and then, but I don't know, it, it just, again, I, I love all of it. I love, the brief ones, the long ones. And this one has been a great one because we're getting to catch up with some people. And so we're going to have on in just a minute uh, David Ayton, who was one of our early, early guests whenever we were still trying to figure things out. We only had two mics at the time. But one of our listeners, Sean Butler, who we've got to give a huge shout-out to because not only is he a very supportive listener, he, he shares our stuff, but he hooked us up with some barbecue sauce that he's making. And he's oh he's been mailing it out, and you can order it from him maybe Someday we can talk him into sponsoring the Crucial Conversation podcast and getting his barbecue sauce out to you guys. Because it, I'm not telling you because he's a friend. I'm telling you because I'm telling you the truth. It's some of the best barbecue, yeah, sauce, barbecue sauce you will ever eat. But Sean Butler texted us today, or texted me today, and kind of last minute, and said, "Man, I really want to hear Brother David Aiton again." And you know, this is Meredith's grandma's favorite guest we've ever recorded with. Yes, yes. and so early on, you go back and listen. We talked about things of the spirit, and and we want to talk to you again, we, uh, Brother Aiton. We want to talk about intercession again. Kind of go into more in depth, but but just because we've got this last ten minutes here on our one year anniversary episode, we want to ask you about some of the the most awesome testimonies of the things you've seen God do, either in your life personally or happened in a church service that you took a part in, just some things about the gifts of the Spirit that you personally have experienced that would uplift and encourage somebody here, because you're you're the main event tonight for the Crucial Conversations one-year anniversary, and we thank you for coming on and talking to us tonight. Well, thank you for allowing me to be on. I don't know about me being a main event or not, but... Uh, oh, you're I it, bro. A few <laughs> well... 
I appreciate it, but um, I've seen God do some amazing things. Um, some of them that come to my mind is one, I remember uh, being in the altar area and there being a young man. Uh, I knew the fellow, but uh, God told me to go to him and pray against cancer. Of course, I had no clue what was going on. This guy's a young man, but I obeyed the Holy Ghost. And uh, I didn't pray it out loud in front of him because I was thinking, well, you know, this might scare him to death. So I just uh, laid my hands on him and I prayed against cancer for it to go. And uh, well, come to find out in the next few days, he had kept everything private, but he uh, had been diagnosed with cancer and he was, uh, he had to go to the hospital and uh, I guess two days after that. And while he was there waiting to get new scans, uh, his testimony was he felt a warmth go through his body at the area where the cancer was and he knew he was healed. And so that was a, a great thing uh, to see. Um, I also had a very interesting time. I used to work at a job where I could have plenty of time me and especially one other fellow and sometimes some others would come along, but we could have our breaks and our lunch to ourselves, and a lot went on. And I, I just remember being there and the spirit of the Lord was on me and the man came up singing. Uh, and I felt something when he walked up, he stopped singing and there was just a nudge in my spirit. And I said, sing again. And when he did, the spirit of prophecy came and, uh, it was a very blessed day. Um, I also remember, uh, shortly before I moved to Jonesboro that a fellow wanted me to ride with him to St. Jude's in Memphis. There was a child he was wanting to go pray for. And I remember on the way there, uh, the spirit of prophecy came on and the gifts began to operate and he spoke and he said that he was going to heal this boy. And so we went and we prayed for him and uh, God is just so good. He healed, healed that child and he's uh, cancer free, leukemia free. I forget which one it was to this day. Um, I have seen where at work, uh, a man one time it was so it was so cool because this man asked for prayer his wife was going to have to have back surgery and i said well we're going to pray that she's not going to have to have back surgery he said well no no she's going to have to have back surgery i said well you know i instead of arguing with him i said well let's just pray and we prayed and he come in the next day just excited uh saying is she doesn't have to have back surgery. She's healed. She's fine. And, uh, you know, God's been good. I've seen me and my wife were, uh, riding along and, and I have to be a little careful with this sensitivity, but somewhere between the North and the South, and we get a call from, uh, one of the public services and they are, they are at a place where this woman is dead. Uh, she'd gotten a call or she'd called and, 
and they came and, and she was and by the time they got there she was dead and they looked around they found my wife's number we're on the phone talking with them for several minutes and um we talked for several minutes and at the end of it she's still dead and they said well we're going to just uh transport her to such and such place she's still dead she's been dead for no telling how long well my wife had a burden and and we prayed and we called later on and god had raised her back to life um i've just seen many different things like that brother aiden Uh, i want to ask you how do you hear god's voice is it audible is it signs what is it for you well he, he speaks into my spirit and it's it's something that you you learn um you know billy cole he taught you learn with trial and error and that's that's that is uh what i've done i learned and because uh, i couldn't imagine you know we talked to an earlier guest just tonight about uh trusting god when it's unclear and unsteady bro to be honest with you i i don't want to you know say i have no faith but for God to speak to me and say, "Go pray against cancer for some from somebody," and they've not publicly made it known that you know that's that's what they're dealing with. That's that's just such a scary. For me, it's it's for my flesh. I'm scared to to fail. How do you overcome stuff like that? Well, you have to you have to trust God. Uh, I have not been perfect at that, and I've had to learn from my mistakes, but there was a desire in me that wanted to be used by God. And God, no flesh is going to glory in his presence. And so a person that's going to be used by that, God will put in positions that are uncomfortable, and you just have to step out and just trust God. And, and, um, that's really that's really where it's at it's being obedient to him and what happens is is once you do it once you do it you and you see that he backs up what he says then it gives you faith to just keep on to, to just obey god um even when it doesn't make sense mm. bro you have you've spoken into brian and i both of our life and you are very, very open and transparent on your episode about some things that you've seen. And uh, since we have aired your episode, episode five, can you believe that, Brian? Wow. Back in episode five, long time ago, your son was not a preaching or preacher yet. Now he's in Bible college and he's preached his first sermon. What does that do to you as a father? Yeah, you know, it's, it's like the scripture says, I, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. It's you know, it's one of the greatest things that could happen to me, and I just feel very blessed. Well, Brother Aiton, we're not going to take up too much of your time. Thank you so much for coming back on. Um, such a great guy. We thank you for all the wisdom that you've uh, poured into both of our lives and all of our listeners' lives. Um, thank you for being a part of our church. I mean, our church is a greater place because of you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for coming on and encouraging somebody, because uh, I, I believe, I mean, these things are very real. Like, Man, actually, that was the, the teaser for your episode, is a statement from you saying these things are very real, very real. Yeah. I mean, that even even in some of these brief testimonies you gave it tonight, um, 
These things are real. And it's something that's available. It's available for whosoever. That's exactly right. And that's what I want to encourage everyone. This ain't just for a select few. This is for anyone that would pursue God, pursue love of God, pursue love of people and desire to edify God's body and to see souls saved and to see God glorified. God wants to use his body, and I encourage everyone to seek God about it. Brother Aiden, thank you so much, bro. It's late. Go get some rest. Thanks, y'all. Have a great evening. Appreciate it. Brian, a year's in the books. So there it is, one year. It's hard to believe once we walk out. Tomorrow, this podcast will be a year and one day old. So that was our last phone call, but that's not my, our last question because I got to ask Tony. I got to ask Tony here at the very end. One year ago, you wanted to start the crucial conversation because you were going through depression. How has this last year changed you? Man. And, and are you over that oh, depression? Oh, absolutely. I, I remember listening to people's testimonies, and, you know, it's exact what we're talking about is what I looked for. And I'm so glad we get to do it together, Bub. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, absolutely. What's been your favorite episode? You have to pick one. I have to pick one episode that I that I say that is the the best. Um, man, I have to say Peter Sandin. That's my favorite. That's a good one. Only because it deals with the subject nobody else will deal with. Yeah, I like. I guess I do, even though I said that I, I didn't necessarily think it was my favorite. I have to say that it probably Jeremy Painter's altogether to me. I pray to God our listeners just heard that. Yeah, I, I think that, that you're right. That Jeremy Painter's was probably my favorite because to me it touched on everything because we got to get in theology, which I like, and we got to deal with the, one of the most important subject matters out there, and that's why Christians go through pain and struggle. And so kind of breaking down like the book of Job, and so to me, I mean, it had it all. It had theology, it had practi- Hold on. practicality, it had it all. Listen to this exit music. Yeah, I like that. That's good exit music. Brian, sign us off in a way only you can. Well, from here, us at the Crucial Conversation, 50-something, uh, ep- uh, 52s episodes now, or whatever it is, all these listeners, to all of you, thank you so much. You made it happen. Because you have been listening to... For one year, the Crucial Conversation Podcast. Hey guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast.